zombies. Like I would like not be that surprised. I would love point. it. I would I would so be up for that. <laughs> I'd 100 percent be up for that. Okay, well let's get started. Yeah. Hi everybody. Good morning. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to Anyways How's Your Sex Life. We yes. are your sleepy hosts. I'm Chana. I'm Corey. And welcome, y'all. Episode 64. 64. Oh, my God. Yeah. Stop the presses. There is a Trivial Pursuit Horror Ultimate Edition coming out this fall. Ooh, fun. I'm buying the fuck out of that. Yeah, okay, bitch. sorry. Hello. So we have some shout-outs. Oh, yeah, we do. In a very long time. But we have a few shout-outs. Because I'm, I'm going to start it up again because shout-outs are really fun. Yeah. Oh, sorry. If you hear notifications, it's... um. It's my Skype because it's 10:30 in the morning and I'm supposed to be working right now. Yeah. So, sorry everybody. I'll I'll sign out. Hopefully I can log back in. Otherwise I just lost my job. Okay. So we have some shout outs, y'all. Shout. First out, shout and out. foremost, we want to wish a very <laughs> slutty birthday to Dylan Kane. They reached Happy out to birthday. us on Instagram. It is their birthday today, Mr. April 14th. President. Happy, Happy birthday. birthday. Mr. President. Mr. President. <laughs> yeah, that's for you. That Davis, was a special little Davis sent number. me that video, and he's always quoted that over the past years, but I actually, I really had no idea where that came from, and I had no really? idea that Alana actually has a YouTube video. I have no idea how I dodged knowing that over the past it's decade. From, it's from Marilyn Monroe saying yeah. birthday, Mr. President, and then Lana does it in a, her national anthem music video. yeah i had no idea that that was a thing i don't Crazy. know how i missed that wow okay, but no, enough about me fuck you Corey. yeah fuck me okay next shout out is to um shotgun dot shell the next one is to an og fan of ours that we love with all of our heart and soul holy ash batman oh hey we love you thinking about you hope you're killing it at life uh, the next one is Katie Scarlet 85 And our last shout-out is to someone who is very important, one of the most amazing people Corey and I have ever Aww. met. Carl. Carl. Carl Anthony <laughs> Online. Carl's the best. Yeah, Big you can go to, to his uh, – he has published uh, 12 books. He's working on yeah. 13th right now. You can go to Carl Anthony Online if you want to research uh, stuff about first ladies and pretty much anything else. Yeah, he's a badass. He's the, he's probably the nicest person I've ever met in my entire life. So yep. big shout out to Carl. We love you. We're thinking about you. Love you. Um, that's it. Those, that's my shout outs today. Um, nice. We do have an announcement though. Wow, we do? so much. It's, it's like an old episode. We do have an announcement. Um, Corey and I have not worked out the kinks yet, but I do want to announce it to get you guys excited, to make you a little wet, a little wet with, with dread. Um, Corey and I decided that we are going to start hosting live Instagram episodes once a month. They're going to be mini-sodes, so they're going to be short, like, you know, maybe 20, 30 minutes. And we're just going to take turns, one of us doing, like, a segment. But, um, so, yeah, the, the live ep episodes will be on Instagram once a month. Uh, once we finalize it and, like, iron, it out, iron out the details, we'll let you know the dates, the times, all that fun stuff. But join us on Instagram. Our Instagram is anyways, how's your sex life? Um, you can also follow us on Facebook. You can just type in Anyways as Your Sex Life or AHYSL Podcast. And you can go to our website, AHYSLpodcast.com. Yes. Yep. But we have some very exciting things coming, and we're really pumped on the mini-sodes. It's going to be a good time and a sexy time. Yes. That's it. Those are all my announcements and shout-outs. I'm done. Hell yeah. Okay, let's go into my um, packet fact. 
Let's do it. Yes. Um, so yeah, mine bitch. today is titled A Brief History of Poppers. <laughs> oh. So this has actually some fun information in it. I was really excited about this one. So what Yay. are poppers for some of you people out there? <laughs> are we going to start just going through like a, a, like a variety of drugs? You're like, my fact of fact today is on. <laughs> What's um, the one? The, ketamine. The, what's that like crazy sex one? That oh, GHB. Yeah. G, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would actually like, probably is- be really interesting, by the way. <laughs> I've read a couple of cool like uh, articles that are done in like Variety or something about like something like that of like the uh, London gay sex chem sex uh, rings. It was pretty intense. There's some pretty intense stories from that. I just chem like envisioned. Sounds so intense. I just like envisioned uh, train uh train spotters and just like ian mcgregor like having sex with men the entire time it was great so what are poppers poppers are pretty much an inhalant euphoric sex and party drug that is chemically classified as an amyl nitrate um we don't need to really get into what an amyl nitrate is. just basically think it is a chemical way that we classify it's like a chemical compound okay or whatever who knows fuck chemistry it's 10 <laughs> chemistry is actually extremely important <laughs> okay so the nitrate based inhalants provide an intense and disorienting rush of sensation that helps relax involuntary muscles in the throat and anus assisting with oral and anal sex it also causes a sensation of euphoria affects the perception of color light and sound while also warming and flushing uh, your skin so this re- euphoria is basically described as like reducing in your inhibitions, increasing sex drive, and intensifying sensations of orgasm. Um, I would say like uh, like before we get deeper into this, um, I do Ooh. use poppers just whenever they're available. I think they're fun, um, and and they're good sometimes. Um, I don't really need to use them all the time, and I don't use them all the time, but they're fun sometimes. And yeah, I would say like I don't really. Like, they definitely help with bottoming. Um, I didn't really think, I didn't really know about, like, the use of oral or, like, the, um, how they help you relax your involuntarily, involuntary muscles in the throat. I didn't know that 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 did that. But noted. Um, (laughs) But noted. (laughs) Bitch, bitch. I didn't, you know, I didn't realize it because I don't need that to help. Oh. (laughs) Corey's Um, a slut. Woo. (laughs) <laughs> I'm a slut. <laughs> you know what I've always wanted? You know, you know that like story about the kid who like went to the hospital because he was sucking a big dick and it like oh yeah punctured his throat. I I like wish that was me. <laughs> Memories. Well, Corey, get health insurance first, and then oh I know it. right. Oh, it's very true. <laughs> very fucking true. You're like okay. You, you're like that dick so bomb it put me into debt. Put me into debt. <laughs> okay, so um I haven't really like. I guess it affects color and light a, a bit for me, but I don't really notice it. I think maybe get a teeny bit dreamlike, but for me, the effects really only last like 45 seconds and then, and they, and they usually are, they're supposed to be really quick, like relief like that. Um, so let's get into a little bit of the medical history, which will easily tie into the gay history of poppers. Um, so the French, a French chemist uh, by the by the name of Anthony Jerome Ballard synthesized amyl nitrate in 1844. So Whoa, there's that. Getting down. Yeah. So then a Scottish physician by the name of Sir Thomas Lauder Brunton <laughs> oh. was the first to document its clinical use to treat uh, angina pectoris <laughs> um, in 1867. 
So angina is basically where my porn name is. <laughs> angina is like where Changina. <laughs> Changina, um, and it it's where your your blood vessels or like sorry your heart or the blood vessels in your heart don't really get enough blood or something like that. I didn't look too much into it, but it's basically your heart doesn't get enough blood because you aren't efficient at pumping blood into your heart for some for some reason, whether it be a cardiovascular or obviously cardiovascular problem, but like whether it be like a blood vessel problem or because of something to do with your heart, I think it's a blood vessel problem thing because what it does is it relaxes the blood vessels to allow more blood to get to the patient's heart. This provided these patients with relief, uh, not necessarily curing them, but it just provided them with the side effects of like extreme chest pain or feeling super fatigued or getting a headache or feeling dizzy sometimes if they would just sniff these every once in a while, basically. Um, It's also interesting that this dude, the Scottish dude, was born the same year that Anthony Jerome Ballard synthesized amyl nitrate in 1844. So there's that. That's fun. That's so cool. he, That's cool I hope he's gay because that'd be fun. And um, he's gay. <laughs> so fast forwarding a lot, poppers were then sold in the United States over the counter until the Food and Drug Administration began requiring a prescription for them in 1969. This is a direct reaction to it being used recreationally, which we'll get to in a second. Um, then in 1988, the U.S. Consumer Product Safely, uh, Safety Commission banned the sale of certain poppers, uh, though... Uh, since then and throughout the years, uh, popper manufacturers have kept altering their chemical recipes a teeny bit, just enough to anno- avoid this ban. You know, so they're just like just changing it little by little so that it, it, it like officially will pass through. Yeah. Um, so let's go into the gay history. So we're just going to drop back to 1964. Um, so the first documented case of recreational use was in 1964. Uh, that's exactly when the disco era, era started, the mid 60s. Um, so naturally then follow, uh, naturally, uh, then followed a craze that began in the early 1970s in gay bars, discotheques, and bathhouses, um, uh, marking it as a prominent aspect of, of gay culture. Sorry, marking like poppers being used as a prominent aspect of gay culture. Cause you know, when the disco, uh, when disco got started getting big in the sixties and then really started kicking off in the early seventies, you know, uh, you'd get the discotheques and bathhouses and it would literally just be mostly minority cultures that were circling around these discotheques and circling around going out to the clubs basically, or going out to discotheques and dancing to disco. Um, uh, poppers got wrapped up on this because it was an easy, quick high. It was discreet and you could easily just, you know, have fun in a quick little euphoria that was pretty uh, seamless and pretty safe, relatively safe. So Safer than, I guess, like snorting lines and lines and lines of coke. Of coke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so amyl nitrates were originally enclosed in a glass mess, mesh called pearls. So what is basically, it was like a pearl bead or a like long cylinder um, that of glass that was covered in a mesh or a cloth, like a silk cloth, mm. so that you would literally put it up to your nose and you would pop it open and it would make a pop sound, like a as you like uh, broke the glass and then just the like the amyl nitrate would seethe out and you would just sniff it or you would probably you'd mostly just like put it up to your nose and pop it into your nose and then breathe in through your nose Um, so that's where we get hence the name poppers cute (laughs) Um, cute. and it was in this mesh or cloth 
to collect the um, glass as you broke it. So it wasn't super dangerous. You wouldn't really cut yourself. It would just like, you know, squeeze it and the glass would just stay in this little case that you would throw away. Um, so in the late 1970s, Time Magazine and the Wall Street Journal even reported that popper use among homosexual men began as a way to enhance sexual pleasure, but, quote, quickly spread to avant-garde heterosexuals, end quote. <laughs> <laughs> What a fucking hetero thing to say. Right. <laughs> I'm not a I'm not <laughs> I'm not your average heterosexual. I'm your I'm avant cool. I'm a cool mom. <laughs> I'm a cool mom. I'm a cool mom. Anybody need anything? Condoms? <laughs> <laughs> Poppers. <laughs> Poppers, condoms, microphones. Um so then we get into the sort of dark side of poppers um and the connection to AIDS. To just sort of do broad strokes of this and not get too deep into it, um, poppers um, is is directly tied with AIDS because the regulation of poppers sort of masks the um, or sort of correlates and parallels to uh, the AIDS uh, epi- epidemic and also to the homophobia that came with the AIDS epidemic. Um, I'm going to read an excerpt or two different experts, one at the beginning, excerpts, one at the beginning, one at the end from a 1986 article in the LA Advocate. This is what it says. This is in the early 1981 when the AIDS epidemic be- began. Doctors noticed almost all the victims used poppers. With not much else going on, they first believed that the chemicals in poppers might be the case, but that theory dissolved when the HTL3 virus, um, HTLV3 virus, was isolated in 1984. That's one of the strands of um, HIV. Um, um, however, because 90% of those exposed to AIDS do not develop the AIDS virus, do not develop AIDS, the search of for cofactors, social or media medical conditions um, that make some more susceptible to contracting the disease continues. So basically, this starts two decades um, of mixed information and bias regulations on poppers because of the like error of causation slash correlation presumptions that were basically fueled by homophobia. Um, so basically they're just like, oh, cool. We're going to find anything that the gay community does and we're going to demonize it, say it's bad. And then just for the next, you know, two, two and a half decades, not even give a fuck about it. So, um, there's a really cool quote, like, um, to a point, like, I guess, you know, they're just, people are just trying to figure this out. This is like, we're in this situation right now with coronavirus. We can semi relate, but the fact that it lasted so long with the combination of the government ignoring the fact that it exists, I think it was until 1984 that actually somebody on media in the media, like in, uh, or the president finally said the word uh, HIV or AIDS. I think he said, I think the word was AIDS that he finally said. He never said mm-hmm. AIDS before in public, on public television. Um, so it's the combination of that plus the bias that was going on. Like I get the fact of being like, hey, what are these people doing? What is like a common factor and we need to get rid of that or regulate yeah. that? I see the reason why they did that. But the combination of that and plus with what I just talked about, plus how long it lasted is the problem and in, in, in a blatant um, nod at the fact that this was extremely driven by homophobia. <laughs> yeah. So my last little excerpt from the Los Angeles uh, advocate is a quote from a guy by the name of Michael Shively, who was the associate publisher of the time. He said, for 18 years, we have been fighting for the rights of gays who want to keep government out of their sex lives. There should be education and warnings about nitrates, like with cigarettes. Then people can decide for themselves. I think that's a good little sum up of being like, hey, this is obviously like we want 
keep the government out of our sex lives. Like, this is y'all trying to regulate us because you're Christian and you don't agree and, like, fuck you, Reagan. Okay, so just to close up a little bit, we'll go into some dangers of using poppers and then some little, like, statistics um, and how people use it today. So to evade anti-drug laws, poppers are often labeled as room deodorizers, leather polishers, or tape head cleaners. Usually you will find the tape head cleaners when you go buy them in a sex shop or a joke shop or, you know, just some gay, you know, sex shop or something like that. So studies have shown that poppers can dramatically lower blood pressure, decrease oxygen to the blood, and cause rapid shallow breathing, blurred vision, dizziness, and fainting. Fun. I, I get, part of I, the fun, you guys. Yeah, it's part of that's sort it literally sort of <laughs> like that's what that's what sort of adds to the euphoria and stuff like that. Like I would say every time I do it, I get like um lower I already have low blood pressure, so it's actually risky for me to use poppers to a point. Ooh. Um Naughty but yeah, story. I definitely get like some sort of dizziness, but it's like a, it's an okay dizziness. It's not a nausea dizziness. Um, it's a fun type of dizzy. Yeah. It's like a fun about a pass out. Not like a bad one, you guys. <laughs> like if you're cool, you think it's fun. But if you're not cool, you don't think it's fun. <laughs> Everyone cool does poppers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're a square if you're not into drugs. Um, <laughs> Come on, kids. <laughs> yeah. So they also have there also have been reports, uh, legitimate reports that poppers will cause temporary blindness and chemical oh, burns. Oh God. And chemical burns. So if you like sniff, if you do too many poppers, or if you sniff too much, too long, too often, you will get chemical burns around your nose and your nostrils. That is so fucking gnarly. Yeah. Um, there's the also blindness freaks me out. Could you imagine? You're like, it's gonna be such a good time. Sniff poppers. You're, you're immediately you're blind. blind. But they they say it doesn't last. It, it it goes away after you stop using them. So like doesn't matter. Yeah. I would almost like em- I I would immediately <laughs> freak the fuck out. Like they were right. I go from zero to a hundred in that very moment, and I'd be like, "Take me to the hospital. I'm dead." <laughs> oh yeah. Like like for for people who like are not into the like gay male community like a lot of gay males actually i'll, I'll say right now uh, about a third of gay and bisexual men use poppers and i would say that's pretty true like from my experiences of like just having sex with people um yeah. i would say about a third of them do use poppers i use them i don't use them regularly i do own one but like i bought it months i bought it like almost a year ago and i've used it like four or five times but i would say like You've hear I've read all about this before, even before I did poppers the first time, and like I've never heard of that happening to anybody that I know. Yeah, and that's like oh, easily sure like over a hundred people. Yeah, like easily yeah. over a hundred people. So there's also a very small risk of death. The ACMD, which I looked it up, it's like the Association of Center like for Misuse of Drugs. Like what fucking squares? <laughs> Yeah, they're they're no fun. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta risk it sometimes. Yeah, everybody. right. Like this is the most boring ass people. Um, See, said my that... entire segment today is just about like a two year acid bender. <laughs> so, like... oh my god, I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm like, don't be a square, you guys. If you don't do acid for two years straight, you're not you, cool. You're a pussy. <laughs> you're a pussy ass bitch. <laughs> you're a pussy ass bitch. Um, so the ACMD said that if inhaled or swallowed. Poppers could cause your body to produce an abnormal amount of methyl or methemoglobin, so basically a, a, a type of hemoglobin um, that is that is produced in your blood. 
um, when that happens, basically you don't get enough oxygen or you get too much or like fucks with your oxygen blood levels and stuff like that. And then you die. Shit goes wrong. Yeah. Shit goes wrong. wrong. (laughs) Fast. In your blood. And when anything is slightly off in your blood, you're fucked. (laughs) Yeah. You're dead. You're dead. (laughs) But don't be a square. (laughs) But don't be a square. It's worth it. Um, It's worth the 45 second high. Someone's going to die because of us. I'm going to feel so bad. (laughs) Hey, that's why I'm giving all these stats right now. Um, So just 23 deaths involving poppers out of the 2,488 fatalities reported to the Volatile Substance Abuse Mortality Project between 1971 and 2009 were attributed to uh, poppers, basically. Okay. So 23 of the 2,488 deaths... Uh, so that's like less than, you know, that's, that's less than half a no. percent. Yeah. Way less yeah. than half a percent. But in over 40 years, like you were good, fam. It's fine. Yeah. There's also one, one last little fun fact is they are actually extremely flammable. So it is ex- you need to be extremely careful because usually you're going to be doing this when you're like extremely sexed up and like focused on way many other things. Mm-hmm. And people have actually a lot of deaths or injuries from this have occurred because of how flammable poppers are. The reason why is that people usually who are drunk and like go to a party and are just like, you know, having sex and use poppers. What they'll do to inhale poppers in a really cool, sexy way is you dip the end of your cigarette. I want to do that. You dip the end of your cigarette in poppers and then you light it up and inhale it through the cigarette. Oh, that's so dumb. I love it. I, I know, right? But a lot of people get hurt because they light up the cigarette while dipping too much of the popper in it, and it, like, oh burns God. them. Oh, my God. That's, like, such so, an yeah. embarrassing way to get hurt. You're like, I was trying to be sexy with my cigarette and poppers, and now yeah. I have burns on my face. I'd be like, ugh. <laughs> Say a cooler story at least. Damn. Um, so, I like uh, it. The only thing I didn't really go over is, like, where poppers originated from. I'm pretty sure from, like, the little history that I went into is that it originates in Europe um, in, like, the Paris discotheque scene and the London discotheque scene. And then it goes over to uh, America. But it might be the other way around. I didn't really look. I I couldn't get straightforward um, info on that. But it seems to me like it was more a European thing. But not for long before it immediately jumped over to like, you know, fucking San Francisco and New York and shit like that. Well, that makes sense because if you look at other drugs, that's usually like a trend. But if you if you want like a a, a good definition of when it started, it would be with the with the disco scene in the in the mid 60s um, going, you know, like because that's when disco started. Uh I wish I was alive during the disco. I know, I love right? Disco music. Oh my god! I would have so much. Every fun. time I, I watch Mad been... Men, I'm like, okay, so when do I want to be born? Like, when do I, you know? And I've decided right. that I want to be born in 1940. I think it's 1949, right? Mm-hmm. So mine is 1950 because that was the year my grandma was born. So she yeah. was 19 years old at Woodstock. Yeah. Yes, well, I'd be 18. 20s, yeah. So then she was in the in her uh, 20s during the 70s it's like the perfect yes. time to no be that's born. so yeah that's why and that's why i've been like oh i want to be in 1949 that's been my like thing but i'll probably get drafted and then die so whatever. that's true yeah. so that's a bummer and i'm a yeah. woman so i would be very upset <laughs> but i could be like a i could find you and then you could just like cripple me <laughs> there we go yeah and i'll be like i can't go and <laughs> You know, and Mad everyone will be like, "You treat your guy. woman like really well," and I'm like, "She's not my woman." <laughs> <laughs> they were they're like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> you 
You know, in Mad Men, how the gay guy tries to marry Joan because he's like, yeah, I'm, that would be that, literally that would, that me. That would be us. That, that would, would literally, literally be, be me. <laughs> <laughs> like, I we would get married. I would like beat you so you would go off to war. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> it would it would be a very happy relationship. <laughs> we sleep in other rooms. Oh, I don't say cute. shit when you bring men over. <laughs> cute. cute. Okay, so for my spooky scoop today, you have three choices to choose from, Corey. Yes. Because they're all almost the same. So it just depends what you want to do. We're going to take a fun little quiz today. Just a fun little, you know, little break from the coronavirus spooky scoops and all the serious spooky scoops that I've been having. So a little quiz. So we, I have one of three quizzes for you to choose from. Or sorry, I have three quizzes for, me, for you to choose from. Okay. Um, the first one is what kind of cult should you join? So, you know, that's like, oh, you should join like a hippie cult. That's a pretty, fun, like that's a pretty fun quiz. Right? The next one is which cult leader are you most like? And the okay. last one is which crazy cult do you belong to? And so that one goes into the specific cults. Like, oh, you belong in you know, jo- Jonestown. Oh. Ooh. I like, the th- I like that last one the most. Okay. I'll send you the link on Facebook right now. Okay. They're just like, sh- they're like shitty little quizzes. Literally send me all the internet. links, though, because I want to do them. <laughs> They're like real shitty, fun little quizzes. Like one's a BuzzFeed quiz. <laughs> like, yes. you know, like the classics. I fucking love BuzzFeed. Yeah, like which piece of toast are you most like based off of your color preferences <laughs> and birthday? Okay, so it's the last link that we're going to go to. And it is gotoquiz.com slash which underscore crazy underscore cult underscore do underscore you <laughs> underscore belong underscore to. <laughs> My favorite, my favorites are where it's like re- the BuzzFeed quizzes are like act like they're really trying to tell you something, but their like correlation or way of telling you is just like, you know, it, it's like, hey, tell us how much or like answer these questions about Harry Potter trivia, and we'll tell you what your life career should be. It's like, what right? The I fuck? love that. <laughs> it's like, there, how is there any like correlation between that? Right. Like, it is BuzzFeed magic. Yeah. <laughs> BuzzFeed journalism magic. Oh my god. All right. So this okay. is a quick little quiz. It's only um Facebook. 12 questions. Okay. Um so Did we'll you do all these turns. quizzes? Yeah, oh yeah, I did all of them last yes. night at 3 o'clock in the morning. But I'm going to obviously just redo the what crazy cult do you belong to quiz. Okay. Um uh, so what is your age? You have like a million options to choose from. Um yeah. the first I'm 25 one is under to 18. 30. Yeah, I'm 18 to 24. Soon nice. I'll be 25 to 30. Ooh. Soon as in three months. All right. What is your gender? There's only two selections. Damn. I know. I think this quiz is kind of dated. I mean, yeah. like, look at the website it's on. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> Anyways, I, cho- I chose female. I chose male. Can choose a oh. favorite color. Oh, yeah. Um, g- green, purple, red, white, black. Um, Mine's going to be green out of those. Out of all of these, I'm going to go with black. Nice. <laughs> How would you classify your politics? Democratic, Republican, Independent, Libertarian, or Green Party? I'm I a mean, Republican. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I'm Democratic. I actually did change my, my uh, alignment <laughs> to oh, be D&D about now? it. I changed my alignment <laughs> from Independent to Democratic. Did I tell you about that story? No. What happened? And welcome. Uh, so Yay. when I went to go vote for Elizabeth Warren... Um, in the primary, um, I went to like just the local library at American Fork, Utah, which is the most conservative thing ever. And yeah. she was like, 
oh hi what's up and i'm like hey and she's like hey like are you affiliated with a party and then she looks down at my credentials and she she's like oh you're independent you can um declare a party today and i was like oh yeah so like i'll i'll I'll, like be democratic and she's like yeah you can do republican or democratic and i'm like i would like to do the democratic party and she's like yeah you can do that and i'm like yeah like i yes like please do that or or well i told her i was like oh no i did that earlier today and she's like well yeah you can do the democratic or republican party and i was like no i changed it online like literally six hours ago and sent it into the like whatever like you know my local authority office or whatever and she's okay okay well you can do that here and you can do be a democrat you can do it for republican it's fine and i was like i'm gonna do it for democrat She's like, but you could also do it for Republican. Just letting you know. <laughs> like, I was like, are you going to fucking suck my gay ass dick? <laughs> yeah. You're like, I'm gay. <laughs> right. You like Vogue. You like yeah. death drop after you say I'm a Democrat. Right. I, oh, my God. That'd be so fun. Okay. So, yeah. I'm doing Democratic as well. Nice. Welcome to the club. Hey. Woo-hoo. All right. What do you look for in a leader? Charisma, sex, sex. appeal, musical talent, intelligence, or friendliness? Well, I'm going to say intelligence. Charisma. Mine is charisma. Nice. Uh, which clothing item do you pay most attention to? Hats, hairstyles, footwear, shirts, skirts, jeans, accessories. Mine is probably hats slash hair. Yeah. I usually notice people's hair first before I look at anything. And it might be because I'm short, so I look up at people. All I see if, if Yeah, I'm going to say the same because hair in, involves beard. Yeah, that's true. That's what, that's what it puts me over the edge for shirts. So I'm going to do hats and hairstyles. Yeah. And usually, like, their hairstyle is a good indicator of how hot they're going to be. Yeah, and how much they, like, pay attention to it. And how much they care. Because if someone looks like, has, like, crazy disheveled hair, their outfit's probably going to be wild, Literally, for men, if you just look at the back of them, you can be like, that. when that person turns around, they're going to be, like, a attractive person, a more than attractive person, a hot person, or an ugly person. Like, you can tell. Like, just from looking at the back of their head. So that's why we vote hat slash hair. Yeah. Uh huh. We don't judge, but we also do. But we also do. So, what type <laughs> of cu- uh, music do you prefer? Country slash folk, that one. classic rock, dance slash techno, gospel, or meditation slash new age? I'm going to do dance techno out of all that because I fucking I'm hate gonna... classic rock. I do love folk, but I hate country. I'm going to do classic rock out of these options Yuck, because that Jenna. makes the most sense with who I am. I'll do dance um, techno. Dance slash techno. There was a time I would have chose that, but not anymore. It could be because I, I mean, have been listening just... to a lot of 60s and 70s music. Yeah. The past oh, years. that's true. Well, I, I always listen to 60s and 70s. That's like my go-to time period. I don't like, I love especially. Enya, but I don't listen to meditation music. Um, but I do listen to a lot of minimalist, uh, like repetitive, minimalist techno or like classical music when I write. So maybe that, yeah. but like. I like still like when I every time I work out like half of my like you know it's either like punk rock or gay dance techno (laughs) when I work out I guess like literally when I work out it's exclusively gay dance music but yeah on my like yeah well I can't believe that Lana Del Rey is not an option for this that's true you prefer Lana Del Rey Del Rey did you announce your announcement to everybody when Spotify told you you were like the top listener. Oh yeah! Oh my God, I am one of the like top fans in the world of Lana Del Rey, according to Spotify. Like literally, Spotify told her. 
Yeah, I'm You're in, like, in the, the top, top 3%? Three, yeah, I'm in the top 3% of her listeners in the world because I listen to at least an album a day. At least one and, album and a literally, day. And sp- literally Spotify took time out of their day to inform Chana of that. Yeah, they, like, sent me a whole notification. They're like, guess what? You love Lana. And I was like, duh. You're like, thanks. <laughs> so I immediately sent it to Corey, and I was like, you're a bitch. I'm top 3%. I'm a, yeah, I'm a, I'm a bitch. Yeah. Okay, what are you, 6%? Um, Ugh. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, if you must fight, which weapon would you prefer? Spears, guns, poisons, ropes and traps, or lawyers? Um, guns. <laughs> Why? Yeah, this is I'm from a, Texas. Like a, I like spears. Spears is yeah, like that's, a really th- random ass. This is one. a stupid ass question, but okay. This is, I mean, it's I probably would, particularly would... tied to some cults. Well, yeah, because like poisons, Jonestown, guns, yeah, like Waco, yeah. like all that fun stuff. Um, I yeah. let lawyers is a funny answer, but I'm going to have to, if, if we are talking about a real fight, like my cult versus other people, we're going to have to go with guns. Cause it's, we're going to have motherfucking guns, yo. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm a white person. This is my culture. <laughs> yeah. I've also been watching like a ton of bonds. So like, yeah, I have some fucking guns. There we go. Um, yeah. which career might be best. Is, is it my turn to read? Okay. Uh, which career oh, might be girl. best for you? Uh, <laughs> farmer, computer programmer, pastor or preacher, criminal investigator or rock star? Criminal go investigator. Criminal that's investigator. an easy one. Yeah. <laughs> Look at our podcast. Actually, yeah, I think bitch. both Corey and I are, are, are pastors and preachers for the gay no, agenda. Yuck. <laughs> yeah, true, true. For gays, for homosexuality. Which, for homosexuality. I'm a pastor of homos. Um, which is the <laughs> most important to you in a lover? Economic security, gets along with friends, strong protector, keeps your secrets, or devotion and loyalty? Those are so broad. I know. Except Economic for get along with friends. Is important, but get along with friends, to me, is probably my most important thing. Because if you guys don't like the person, that yeah. usually means to me, oh, there's, pro- there's something wrong with this person. Yeah, like it's so, a good indication, like... Most your recent, friends know you and have your back. Yeah, like so. most recent is Addison. <laughs> yeah, <he laughs> like I told you, I, re- I think I revealed, yeah, shattered Jenna's hand, and then like a week Snapped later, Tyler, way. for the first time in his life, was like, I don't like that person. <laughs> yeah, Tyler, the first time in his whole life, decided he didn't like anybody. <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> You're like, are we okay? As I'm like, like high as fuck off of opioids, like in the Ty- other room. <laughs> Tyler's like, I don't like that person, and then I look over at Simone, and Simone's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like bitch, <laughs> you fucked. <laughs> um, so yeah, Good let's time. do gets along with friends. I like that. Yeah, that's the that's the most like bitch. Else- I can protect myself and like secrets. Like, I mean, yeah, you need to keep secrets, but like, whatever. Um, I don't have crazy ass secrets, and they're going to be loyal to me. If they're my partner, yeah, they're going to be like loyal. devotion and loyalty is like to like you're my love. You're, you're not my lover if you're not devoted and loyal. <laughs> yeah, right. Then like fuck you. You like one night stand. Get yeah, you. Be, yeah, yeah. You're a fucking fling. <laughs> um, your turn, right? Uh, sure. I, I don't forget. know. It doesn't really matter. Lol, <laughs> when, it com- when it comes to your enemies, gang up on them. Forget about them, love them, kill them, or keep an eye on them. Keep an eye on them. Yeah, mine's uh, keep an eye on them. No, too. I'm pretty forget about them. Yeah, I'm forget about them. Mine, it depends what degree of enemy they are. If we're talking like 
like Noel level and en- like enemy, then that's forget about them. But if we're yeah. talking about just like a basic bitch, like I just don't get along with them. I like to keep an eye on them just for shade purposes, yeah. just to be petty, so I can also yeah. make fun of them. Well, that is exactly that's like the same um, thought process I went through. I was like, well, if it's just like a fun enemy or f- uh, like you know almost a frenemy, I'm like, ooh, keep yeah. an eye on them. But if it's like, no, I really enemy. don't like you, I'm just like, okay, I'm 100 percent forgetting about you. Bye. That's true. Like David, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, okay, I'm, I'm gonna forget- keep mine to keep. I'm gonna keep mine to keep an eye on them. Okay. Just because I like I like to spill the tea. I like to gossip about. Oh my god, them. this is so dated. How do you feel about LGBT gay rights? <laughs> but it's it's not dated because some cults were oh, that's very true. for LGBTQ, and some cults were very anti. So it it kind of this question I think is like is there on purpose because um, it'll set you into a cult. So the question I fucking hate gays. They're going to be like, okay, yeah, you belong. Yeah, in you shouldn't be, cult. you should not be in junk time. Um, so the <laughs> yeah. selections are meh. I have some gay friends. If you choose that, fuck you. Um, second one is gay people are perverted. Fuck <laughs> you. <laughs> uh, um, uh, <laughs> I love this answer. The next one, everyone is bisexual. <laughs> You're not, they're not wrong. <laughs> They're not wrong. They're not wrong. Right, but they're not wrong. Um, don't know what you're talking about, and then full equality for everyone. I don't know. I don't know. I'm gonna go with um with gay people are perverted. I'm just kidding. I'm gonna go with full (laughs) equality for everyone. Oh man, I don't know if everyone is bisexual or like the most forward is everyone is bisexual. (laughs) Because it's not wrong. Because everyone is a little gay. (laughs) Right. Right. Like. Like, full equality for everyone seems the stance of, like, you do you, and I love you, and you're a human being, and, like, I want rights for everyone. But everyone's bisexual is, like, we're all fucking queer. That's true. <laughs> okay, I'm changing mine to everyone is bisexual because it's, it's more accurate and fun. Right? Um, but, but also for, like, you know, like, the realms that we're working in of, like, how this is going to translate to the quote-unquote doctrine of these cults. Yeah. Hmm. I might do full equality for everyone. I do love, though, <laughs> that's like if somebody in real life was like, how do you feel about LGBT gay rights? And my answer is everyone's bisexual. <laughs> <laughs> that's like awesome. You're in the friend group. You're yeah, awesome. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I would like that person more than the person who was like, I want rights for everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Someone's like, I would die for gay rights. We're like, yeah, okay, but we're, you didn't say but, that but, everyone's gay. Yeah, but you like don't understand on a fundamental level that we're all queer as fuck. Right. <laughs> all right, let's. God damn this. it! I don't know which one to choose. Um, I'm gonna go with everyone's bisexual. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yes. I like that one more. Submit okay. answers. Submit answers. Drumroll, please. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> Do you want to go first? Or do you want me to go first? Um, I'll go first. Um, yes. So which crazy cult do you belong to? My result, Heaven's Gate. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Don't worry about what mere earthling you think of. They're obviously not just jealous of your fancy new Nike sneakers. Ooh, fuck. Um, oh, fuck. The all-knowing Ouch. aliens told you're special and you believe them. You will board that UFO as soon as you're done watching Star Trek. Fun. Nice. I'm 38% Scientology. That makes sense because I'm Mormon or grew up Mormon. Uh, the Branch Devadians? Yeah, I'll go through them uh, later. Okay. And, like, the People's the next... Temple, Jonestown, um, and then the Classic. Manson family. I'm 21% them. Let me go back, and I'm going to re-answer the – you, you, you tell yours. Okay. Mine, 
I am an 88% match for the Manson family. Yes. What's up? It says, when you're not busy trying to be famous, you're busy killing the competition. Um, basing your religion on Beatles albums and drug-induced visions of race wars seems pretty solid to spend your time. You might shave your head, but never your legs. Yeah, that's actually yes. weirdly accurate. Okay, the next is at 72% Scientology. The next is 62% Heaven's Gate. And then it's 43% Branch Davidians. And then 26% The People's Temple, a.k.a. Jonestown. Fun. <gasps> okay, so I, I, I got the same exact result for mine. Ooh. The percentages just changed a bit. They went down a bit, actually. And then The People's Temple went up because of the equality oh. for all. That makes Fun. sense. Yeah. Yes. Yay. Yes. Yes. So again, if you want to take this quiz, we'll uh we'll post this quiz on our website under my spooky scoops. Go just go to h dot com. That was a fun little quiz. I like that. But yeah, that was a good one. It, it's a fun one. Okay, are we going into my um whatever you call it? My yeah, supernatural segment. I'm feeling it yeah. right now, y'all. I'm feeling it. <laughs> That's good. I'm starting to wake up. It's only I've only been up for four hours now, and I'm starting to wake up. Did you get any coffee? I chucked some coffee before we started. No, last night, so we only have, like, really, really intense espresso or really intense cold brew. And last night, I had, like, a tiny bit of cold brew. Uh-oh. And I was, like, Bye. a psychopath for yep. a few hours, so mm-hmm. I couldn't. It's, like, not worth it to me. And it, you know how uh, sometimes if you don't eat enough food, then you take a bunch of caffeine, your stomach really hurts? Yep. It was just one of those. It was just not a good time. No, I totally get that. My So my segment today is on the possession of Clara Germana Selly, or C-E-L-E-Y, Selly. I, I, I think that's Selly. Okay? Whatever. Yeah. Um, so Clara Germana Selly uh, was a South African woman who, in 1906, at the age of 16, was possessed by the devil while attending the St. Michael's Mission in Natal, South Africa. So we're in Natal. Same, right? Um, That sounds so exotic. Yeah, right? (laughs) What an exotic possession. Fuck yeah. Claire was orphaned at a very young age and then quickly baptized into the church and was adopted. I think you say adopted into the mission at the age of four. Basically, like, she was an orphan and so they, like, took her into this this, uh, school slash mission or whatever at the age of four. Okay. Um, so she lives her life here from the age of four until we get to her at the age of 16. So little is known about Claire until one late summer day at the age of 16, when she made a pact with the devil. Yes, bitch. So when questioned by her confessor, father Orner Erasmus. Yeah. As to what she asked for, she would either say that she couldn't remember or she would begin to fight a presence within her that kept her revealing her answer. Isn't that crazy? Ooh, that's yeah. so fun. So within a few days, Clara started to seem a little different and erratic. Uh, the school priests and nuns reported that Clara became more aggressive. Um, oh, it's so just like putting you in a timeline. Sorry, I got a little ahead of myself with that, with that last little quote. Uh, basically, she made a pact with the devil and she starts acting erratic. And then that's when she finally has her confessor father father erroneous erasmus ask her those questions and she can't answer them but basically just out of nowhere uh within a few days of her making a pact with the devil unbeknownst to everyone else clara started to seem different and erratic the school priests and nuns reported that clara became more aggressive and quote seemed imbued with extraordinary strength and ferocity 
often hurling nuns about the convent rooms and beating them up. <laughs> yes. She's an inspiration to us all. I know. I just like picture us like walking like around Harry Potter, like us like Harry Potter walking <laughs> down corridors and just seeing nuns like getting thrown around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I'm, you okay, Natasha? You okay, Natasha? Um, it's Malik. Um, he gets like bitch thrown across the fucking way by the demon of lewdness. I'm like, the demon damn. Versus Malik. Oh my god, the demon of lewdness. Oh my god, I want a shirt of that. <laughs> um, she tore her clothes often. She spoke to herself or someone slash something in the corners of rooms. Ooh, she developed no. a strong aversion to holy objects. And even when holy water, they found that when holy water was thrown up on her, it left her with burns. Um, one nun also reported that the girl's cries had a savage bestial sound that astonished those around her. In regards to the girl's voice, an attending nun wrote, in quotes, No animal had ever made such a sound, neither the lions of East Africa nor the angry bulls. At times, it sounded like a vertebrae or sorry, it sounded like a veritable herd of wild beasts orchestrated by Satan had formed a hellish choir. Um, Bitch, so like me the word too. you ain't special. <laughs> I know, right? So a uh, veritable. I've never really heard that word. I've heard that word before, but I've never really read it being used. Veritable is basically a one of the, in my opinion, one of the few English fluff words that literally the definition of this word is to say that it like gives an exaggeration to the simile or metaphor that you're using. So they're using a simile because it sounded like a hurt, like a herd of wild beasts. So veritable is just thrown in there to add emphasis. That's literally the definition on Google. Uh, To me, that was really randomly interesting. I haven't there because there aren't many English fluff words, fluff words like that, that we use commonly. It's like you're bolding and underlining something. Exactly. But but there's a word for, but literally (laughs) the the definition of this word is bold underlined. Like it's, it's really, which you don't find often in English. That's cool. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of diminutives and like, and then like exaggerations in, um, uh, in Spanish, but I haven't really found much that we use modernly in English. That was just really interesting. Sorry. Little tidbit. Sorry. Off topic. My bad. Nerd. <laughs> nerd. nerd. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking nerd. Give me your lunch money. <laughs> Give me your stimulus check, you fucking nerd. <laughs> <laughs> the new bully. <laughs> the corona bully. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm the corona bully. I just go around bullying people for their stimulus checks. Oh, my God. Like, 10 minutes ago, I was like, I'm not even feeling this. And now I'm like, bye. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already feeling this press drink. And yes. I'm halfway done. But it's because yes. I'm running off of zero hours of sleep. Yeah. Woo-hoo! Um, they also report that she was able to speak languages that she had no previous knowledge of. Um, a quote from a quote that has been thrown around is that she understood Polish, German, French, and other languages. One nun reported that Clara also started to demonstrate clairvoyance as she could reveal the most personal secrets of not only people that were close to her that she had class with, but also random ass people that she had never met before. Um, some students also reported that she that they saw her levitating about five feet off the ground. Okay, this girl literally sounds like she'd be my best friend. Like, sorry, right? Corey, you might be getting replaced by her because this bitch is cool. I am not that cool, so I agree. She's like bitch slapping nuns. I'm like, I'll be room, levitating. <laughs> yeah, you know, what, what, like, like in Mean Girls, like I'll be the girl who's like, it, there's a twenty percent chance it's also raining, and then yes! she can be. Uh, Whatever her name is, uh, the Gretchen? It, 
Yeah, Gretchen. Yeah, Gretchen. Yeah, she can be Gretchen. I'll be the other girl. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Does that mean I'm Regina George? Yes. Oh my God, I'm honored. <laughs> <laughs> wow. As much as I hate that I'm not her. I'm not her. I, I'm <laughs> You're her. I'm like, <laughs> We should do a Mean Girls group Halloween costume. Oh, my God. There's That's, a like, perfect. 40% we're chance all, it's raining. We're all Regina George. Oh, my God. <laughs> They're like, so Regina which one's George? Regina George? And we're all like, me. Oh, we could be Regina George from different scenes. Like, you can be the one <gasps> with your nipples out. I could be the one oh with my the head God. braids. Oh, my God. Oh my god, that'd be so fun! It's uh, actually a really good idea. None of you listeners. That's steal a good it, idea. <laughs> um, so it was also specially noted that before an exorcism was decided, that they tested again, throwing holy water on her during uh, these times that she would do these outbreaks, and when they would throw water, holy water on her, not only would she get burns, but it would it was the only thing that would stop her from doing these like crazy erratic wild outbreaks of throwing nuns across the room or just being extremely (laughs) angry and shit like that. So due to them finding this out and deciding, Hey, this is an exorcism problem or this is a demonic problem instead of just like a mental health problem. uh, Two Roman Catholic priests, Reverend Manciet, the director of the mission and Reverend Erasmus, uh, which was her confessor, which I talked about earlier. They were both appointed to perform an exorcism on Clara. So on September 11th of 1906, the ritual Whoa. inside job. 9 uh, <laughs> um, The ritual was performed, lasting from the early morning hours of of September 11th until noon, then picked up again at 3 p.m. and then continued on into the night and then through the night into the next morning. Ooh. So during the exorcism, Clara's first action was to knock the Holy Bible from a priest's hands and then grab his stole. His stole is like, you know, some of the priests that have like that purple ribbon, a sash around their neck that drapes and has the cross on it. So she basically like ran up to the dude, knocked the fucking Holy Bible out of his hands and then wrapped that stole around his neck more and pulled on it to try and choke him. (laughs) That's fucking metal. (laughs) That's hot. (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) Wow, is it hot in here? Are you turned on right now? (laughs) Yeah, I'm turned on. (laughs) Um. Oh my God! If someone get has like a Catholic priest's stole, just like send that to me so I can like choke people with that and myself. Yes. My God. Ooh. Yes. Mm. Oof. Oof. Mm. <laughs> we'll be back, everybody. We'll be back. <laughs> Day thirty-two of quarantine. Last <laughs> um, rate over an exorcism story. <laughs> right. <laughs> um. Also during the exorcism. Clara went into fits of rage, classic, shouted slurs, profanities, and cursed God in many different languages, also classic, threw multiple nuns and priests off of her until she began to levitate about five feet off the ground again. (laughs) I fucking love her. This demon's awesome. Whoever this demon is, is fucking awesome. She's like pulling out all the classic stops, just being like, I'm fucking possessed. She like scream vomits pea soup like in the next right. scene. Does a back bend down the stairs. Like, like the before thing. it was Vogue. Yeah. <laughs> um, she even shouted at one time, you have betrayed me. You have promised me days of glory, but now you treat me cruelly. People suspect that that's her talking to the demon or Satan inside of her. Ooh, yes. Fun. So on the second morning on that, like next morning that I mentioned briefly, um, the rites were administered once again. 
with the possessing demon uh, supposedly departing Clara's body. So after telling the priest that he would signal his acts or his exit by an act of levitation, which occurred um, around 1 a.m. or it, it, it or like a base, basically this like there's people that say 1 a.m. and 7 a.m. I don't know why. Like maybe I don't know. I don't know. The people said 1 a.m. People said 7 a.m. Which I I'll just say 7 a.m. because it sounds like dawn of the second morning. So it sounds more cool. Like what Gandalf Ooh. would tell us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Basically, the demons were like, "Hey, when I leave this bitch's body, she's gonna levitate again, and then she'll be, and then we'll be gone." I don't know why they told them that, but like, it, it happened, I guess. So basically, in front of an audience now of around 170 people, with Corey the- and I right at the front. Oh, I oh I know, <laughs> we're like right there, dressed up in like fucking time warp gear, just like. <laughs> Yeah, like I have a tinfoil hat on for. No oh my reason. god, just like eating popcorn. I'm wearing lingerie. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm just like gnawing on fucking licorice, just like yes. enthralled. <laughs> on pe on penis. Yes. <laughs> um. So uh, uh so around like one or seven a.m. Let's just say seven a.m. with an audience of 170 people in that mission's chapel, Clara's body levitated into the air where she let out an extreme, like a demonic roar and then fell back to the ground motionless. The that's priest, fucking sick. Right? <laughs> that's, like, that's like a movie. I can like see it yeah, right now. You head. and I are like, yeah. We're okay, like cheering. Plans. We're dressed as Ed and Lorraine Warren yes, <laughs> for this yes. situation. <laughs> so the priest then asserted that Clara had been cleared of the devil's influence. Yes, go Clara. You did yes, it. bitch. Um, however, oh, the pl- the plot thickens. In yes. January, so in January, just months later, of 1907, Clara claimed to have made another pact with the devil. Bitch, why not? <laughs> Bug it. She's like, y'all. I didn't want the exorcism, like in case you didn't know. Yeah, they we did they she they did not get her consent to the exorcism. Yeah, exactly. Like it fuck. No like, consent for an exorcism. You can fuck right off. Classic everybody. Catholicism. No consent. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. That is the podcast title. <laughs> no cat cat classic Catholicism colon no consent. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, in January of 1907, I'd say Clara claimed to have made another pact with the devil and another exorcism was reportedly performed that again lasted two days, but in the 10 plus articles that I read, nobody says anything other than what I just said about that second exorcism. Um, the only thing is said that after the demon departed for the second time, witnesses reported that the air became filmed with an overpoweringly foul smell and that many of them were deathly sick for the next three days with many accounts of demonic fever dreams and visions of loved ones dying and being tortured. So basically the second time she had this exorcism happen, everybody was like, okay, cool. We're going home. That was fun. And then for the next three days, which is akin to Jesus Christ, they had, they had an intense fever and sickness that lasted for three days with a ton of fever dreams and dreams of, of their loved ones dying and being tortured. You know what's so crazy about that is oh, we've talked a lot. We've ha- we have a lot of episodes about exorcisms and we've we yeah. watched a lot of movies. We know our stuff. But what's interesting is I've never heard 
of that happening to such a large group of people that are in like different homes because you hear about that happening like a demon possessing yeah. a family at a home that family gets fucked but you don't hear about like that ever happening to groups of people around them so it's interesting that all these people living in all these different homes all got sick and had these like fever dreams that's so crazy yeah that's a that's yeah a, that's a good um time. so another a cool yeah a cool note to add to that too um just like to attest to this like interesting aspect of this exorcism is that when we talk about most exorcisms and most of the like top 20 exorcisms or 15 exorcisms that you're going to find on the internet this is actually one of the earliest ones um one of the most earliest ones is about a boy in a farmhouse um that happened in the teens or 20s that has some aspects that they use in the in the exorcism the movie in the 1970s we um, talked but then about there's that also, one. I think we've talked about that one before, but I haven't explicitly done it. I believe I can't remember I because I've also have. listened to podcasts. I also I've also listened to podcasts that have gone over it. I just can't remember right now being drunk. And there's also the second the second earliest one is the one that is based off of the exorcism of Emily Rose, and that's the exorcism <gasps> of Anna Eklund. And we I've did done that her. One. That yeah. was a good one. So yeah, so those two are actually attributed as the oldest some of the oldest recorded possessions and exorcisms but this one predates both of those Ooh, fun. and i'm sure there's other exorcisms that predate this one i mean duh but like of like pop culture or like horror pop culture this one is is usually considered the oldest one on record yes yeah so let me guess what happens next after she gets exercised, she makes another the third deal with the demon. <laughs> Tell me there's a third deal. No, there's no third. So there's sadly there's no third or sixth deal. Damn um, it! She should have only... third because that's perfect. So out of the ten plus articles, so about I would say like twelve articles that I read, there is only one article that attempts to say something about this uh, this woman. Um, and the thing is that after this, she returned to normal and she's basically just lost in history. Like nothing else is said about her. You know, she really missed an opportunity because if you already made two <laughs> deals with the demons, why not make a third? Why not make it interesting? Right, like, like and just you have a Fuck motherfucking it. brand to uphold, bitch. Hold up yeah. that brand. <laughs> because if she did the third one, maybe she would have became like some crazy ass queen of hell or something. I don't know. Has anyone ever made three deals with a demon? Hmm. We gotta test this. I now. wonder. Ooh, that'd Demon be fun. of lewdness. This is my first deal with you. Oh my God, Chana! No. <laughs> <laughs> Even the like demon of lewdness. <laughs> <laughs> the most lowly demon. <laughs> oh man. I'm Unless so there's like a demon this. of like of like sodomy or butt sex. <laughs> yeah, demon of butt sex. It's just you. <laughs> it's you it's just literally every gay male. <laughs> Yeah, demon about sex. Every gay man turns and looks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my god. RuPaul's like, hello. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh my god. So yeah, so I also want to confess that last night I stayed up till about 4 a.m. because it was one of those nights like, you know, like I've always said like four times or five times a year, I just can't fall asleep. And there's just like, I like try to fall asleep for like two hours straight and then I'm just like, oh, okay, I guess like I'm just not sleeping tonight. So yeah, I watched the night. entire RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars season one of All-Stars um, last night. Like the entire season. 
fun. It was fun. Yeah, it was See, fun. while you were doing that, I was like pussy deep in Charles Manson research. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I was like listening exclusively to Charles yes. Manson music. It was funny. Corey sent me a screenshot of my Spotify because it's like Channel Jones is listening to Charles oh, Manson. Oh, wait. Yeah, you're like, it literally said, literally the artist was Charles Manson. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's been, a, it's been a week. I'm now a Manson girl. Sorry, everybody. Yes. I'm into it. Okay, so that yeah, that's that's like the end of my fucking story. I want to make that, it short and sweet because I knew yours is gonna be like in depth and crazy. Yeah, mine's really long. So let's do this, everybody. This is Charles yes. Manson part two. Are you guys all ready? Put yes. on your cult pasties. Whoopsh. Corey, what does your cult pasties look like? My cult pasties? Shit, I don't know. Uh, I know it's a hard one. I want like an upside down cross. <laughs> Ooh, it's nice. just classic. it's just uh yeah just a classic upside down black and white cross the cross is white everything else is nice. black and then maybe like there's a holograph holographic sheen to it and when you do the Ooh. holographic sheen you see like all these satanic cult symbols and then Ooh. if you put it under a black light you see a ufo Ooh, <laughs> there we go that's those are my those are my cult pasties so mine is just Kool-Aid man <laughs> on my nipples because drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah. And if you, and <laughs> if you squeeze it. the nipples, if you squeeze both the nipples at the same time, Kool-Aid it says, Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, it does. Lol. So yeah, mine, my nipples are just the Kool-Aid man. Nipple, just Kool-Aid man. That's it. All right. Let's yes. talk about cults. Man, I love I'm gonna that. miss intro music. Yeah, uh, that's like one of the today, best intros ever. Right. Um today I have some music for you to add during some parts of my segment potentially i don't know we're gonna be drunk though so i'm probably not gonna remember but it's fine so last week everybody we talked about charles manson's backstory and we ended with him meeting the very first manson girl mary bruner so we're just picking up right where we left off if you have not listened to manson part one yet Go listen to it because otherwise, like, this episode is going to be super boring to you. <laughs> like, you won't care. Yeah, so go like, pause this really quick. Go listen to the last one and then join us for part two. Yeah. So, Mary Bruner, a.k.a. pause real quick. Every single Manson person had, like, approximately one million nicknames because anytime they got arrested for, you know, hitchhiking or drugs or doing whatever the fuck they were doing, they always gave the police, like, different names. Also, Charles Manson... Um, gave them some specific nicknames just to, you know, remove their old identity and make them part of the family and become a new person. Okay. So, side note. So whenever I mention someone, I will most likely talk about their nicknames because their nicknames are wild. Uh. Mary Bruner, her nicknames, Mariachi, Och, Mother Mary, Mary Manson, Linda D. Manson, and Jesus. Christine Marie Utes. Pick two. Why? <laughs> yeah. Not I you, know. her. <laughs> oh, you're like pick you too, Chad. I'm like, okay, no, no, for her, like Jesus later. Christ, girl. 
Yeah, they all have like eight, like six hundred and sixty-six nicknames, and they're all really rant. Like some of them make sense. Her name's Mary, so like Mother Mary, Mary Manson. But then you uh-huh. have Christina Utes. Like, how does she get that one? Yeah, that's just how her being she, like like booked. Yeah, by some cops. Yeah, she was like high as balls. They're like, what's your name? She's like Christine Utes. They're like, okay. Okay. <laughs> Mary was born December 17th, 1943. Uh, she was Mary, sorry, Mary Teresa Bruner. Yep. She was raised by all accounts in a typical Midwestern family in Wisconsin. Um, after graduating from the University of Wisconsin, she got a job as a library assistant at UC Berkeley, and she settled into the San Francisco flower child life. She met Manson okay. in, in April of 67. She was 23 years old at the time. Um, at first, she just she was just letting him crash at her place while he was playing music and doing whatever the fuck Charles Manson was doing. And after a couple weeks, um, the two had sex, and she just completely fell in love with him. Hot. She also loved his music. Um, if you read Manson's book, Manson in His Own Words, he goes on for, like, three or four pages of just, like, erotic literature that describes <laughs> their first time having sex with each other. It's, like, Sounds real, like a straight like, man. Like, you'll read it, and you're like, you're like, oh, man. Like, Charles Manson knew how to please people. And it's Shit. actually, like, really romantic, a lot of the things he was saying, because he talked about, like, learning how to please a woman. Like, oh, that's cute. To, um, like, and it was so, like, sensual for him. It wasn't just about, like, fucking. This was actually the moment in his life where he realized, like, sex wasn't just about quote-unquote like a dick in a hot box like him getting off m- yeah yeah like there's more to sex there's like a huge sensuality to it Ooh, also, that's hot I'm, I'm i'm totally in and you know charles manson had sex with men too like the whole manson family he did like men had sex with men women had sex with women everyone group orgies like oh yeah like every person that could have sex had sex in the manson family. i'm so in until he's like hey go kill that fucking roman polanski director and fucking sharon tate but i know he didn't say that he did not say that he don't not say yet, that at least. no so last episode i talked about how charlie one of his many you know times in prison he learned from a pimp how to successfully be a pimp and use sex <laughs> as like a tool to manipulate and control the gist of it is you get in the girl's head, you make her love you more than anyone else, you tell her that you love her more than anybody else, you Jesus. call her beautiful, and by doing this, you pretty much make her want to do anything for you and your love, because you're giving her That's power, yeah. but really by giving her power, you're giving yourself power, because she's seeing you as the person that's giving her all of this sexual freedom and beauty. So, uh, through Mary Sort Brunner, of like God. Yeah, Exactly. So through Mary Bruner, <laughs> this is sorry. when he started learning. But no, that's that's like exactly <laughs> what it is. Like, that, like this is that is one hundred percent what Charles Manson used sex for because he learned that it could be sensual and it can be like this mind blowing, almost spiritual experience for both yeah. parties. And he also learned that if he told the girl, you know, she was beautiful, she was God, I'm God, we're one, that like we're powerful, we're free, our bodies are connected. Like he could just use it to gain control over her great i just skipped ahead like seven seven not great (laughs) right around this time he started bringing other girls into the house mary was not stoked at first because she thought that her and charlie were just going to be pretty exclusive um also you know mary the way that like charlie mary had sex like it was so emotional 
and there's so much going into it like while they were banging like he would literally look into her eyes and be like you are the most beautiful person i've ever seen in my life you are a god to me and like and i am a god to you and he like brought forward like this whole new found confidence and sexuality in her sold so she was like <laughs> so she was feeling like you know amazing on top of the world and then charlie yes. was like yo like by the way can i bring these like 18 women into the house and she was like what okay not he sold was, like, he was like but mary like you're missing the point like you we are we don't belong together like we share sex and love but our bodies and minds are free and that's like the beauty of being this spiritually elevated people that we are it's the ultimate way to experience love and oh sex, my god being free and this was like a huge part of manson's philosophies is just be like the the whole ideal around being like free free okay like being and a part of free it, independent being yeah, and you know he spent half of his life in prison at this yeah. point. He's only thirty-two years old, so there's there's a lot to unpack here with Manson's philosophies. And he's he joined the Flower Power movement right during the Summer of Love. Like, like this yeah, is like I didn't the end of it. I didn't know most of what you said last last episode, and it was just like I mean, especially editing it, I was like, wow, we were really like, especially like me and you, I'm sure because you just you researched it. We were very shocked of like, wow, this is a sad ass story. Yeah. Like, no, he was, I mean, he was destined to fail. Like, he yeah. Was. Yeah. We're not trying to like make what he did seem better or idolize him. But it's just like for any human being to that point, like, you know, he didn't know who he was going to become. Nobody did. But yeah. like, that's sad. Like that poor human being at that point, like he, that the, person has been through so much. And the fact is. For the first year of, like, the Manson family, which I'm going to go through during this episode, uh-huh. it was really just about free love, being free, you know, the whole hippie movement, sex, drugs, rock and roll. Like, that's what it was. Like, it was it was just about being hippies. <laughs> like, no, it didn't yeah, yeah, start turning yeah. dark until um, 68, like, towards the end of 68, which I'm going to go through. And a lot of it was just drug-induced because they were doing acid almost regularly. Um, so... It, but pretty much Manson was like destined to 486. Fail. Yeah. Oh, and then I we're like, have a, wait. I have a note in here that says 486. Oh <laughs> shit. We're like, we're like, wait, let's, let's go be like productive members of society. Bye. We were like a half step away from becoming Charles Manson's. Ourselves. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. Let's continue on. Cause I want yeah. to get through. Everyone's like, wait, what? <laughs> You would you you know what forty six is if you've listened to this podcast. If right. not, maybe we should do a whole we should do a whole spooky scoop. Of yeah, 46. right. We should do like That's a terrifying. this is what happened. Uh, <laughs> oh, someone almost died. <laughs> yeah, we really need to get Davis and Hiram on here just to explain that story. To yeah, that'd be fun have to have both of them. Yeah, yeah, get like yeah. multiple perspectives. <laughs> yeah. We all did a like, f- like just to summarize it. Fifteen of us did acid in Moab, and we literally almost watched one of our friends die. While all of us were peeking, we're all like, what? like, no exaggeration. Literally, we were all peeking, and literally, this person was 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 like teetering on the edge of like a five hundred foot cliff. But like, no exaggeration was on like a like five by seven foot rock hoodoo. Are technically a hoodoo, technically like a hoodoo, yeah. teetering on the edge of it, dancing like nothing was going on, and we were like, 
<laughs> get the fuck vans. away from the edge. Like he's wearing fucking vans and it's like dusty <laughs> desert rock. Like I Yeah, and it was literally <laughs> dusk. <laughs> anyways. Yeah. Anyways, that's a story for a different time. Going back yeah. to Manson. So Mary agreed to let like the 18 girls move in, you know, start having free love this only actually made her feel like more confident and more in control of her body because they were so sexually free and being like fulfilled and meanwhile like manson was you know preaching and prophesying at this point just like the normal hippie shit just you know the material world we gotta fight the man you know we gotta be free and do this and that just like however you imagine what hippies said back in 1967 like that's what's coming out of charles manson's mouth and he had a guitar. He was a pretty attractive guy. He's little. He's only like five four, um, but like he's, he's pretty like, handsome. Yeah, he has a good. Point. He has an attractiveness about him, but he's he's really small. Yeah, if he was like, if he was like five nine, like he's like my type. <laughs> so he's just a yeah. little guy, though. No, I like but, uh, I, I I I actually tend to be attracted to small guys. I like their like tight, muscly bodies. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. 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 <laughs> So every day he would basically choose who he was Every day he was going to choose who he was going to make love to and whoever he chose you felt special and wanted. The more these women felt loved by Charlie, the more loyal they became, the more power that they gave Charlie. Um, these women were pretty much hypnotized by him. They would do anything for him and Charlie really for the first time in his whole life felt confident and powerful and this started growing his ego because he started thinking that he was the fucking shit when charlie wasn't fucking someone he was doing crazy drugs with them playing his music walking out around the streets talking about free love hippie shit you know doing what the hippies did in 1967 one day charlie was hitchhiking and he was picked up by this dude dean morehouse dean Really like Charlie. He brought him home for dinner. Charlie met Dean's 14-year-old daughter, Ruth. She eventually fell in love with Charlie. We'll talk about that in one second. Uh, But before she fell in love with Charlie, Dean was so enthralled with Charlie and his, like, the way he spoke, his charisma, all these beautiful women that were always around Charlie. You know, Charlie was kind of, like, he was living that 1960s dream on the streets playing his guitar dropping acid whenever he wanted fucking all these chicks like it was like the hippie ideal life that he was living dean was so enthralled with him that dean actually gave charlie a piano to help him with his music career wow Um, charlie traded that piano for a volkswagen bus and that is what made the manson family mobile and able to start recruiting manson members Uh, before i go into that i just want to do a quick note on ruth dean's daughter um, Ruth ended up joining the Manson family um, a little bit later. Basically, she and Charlie started banging. She was only 14. Charlie was 33. Um, not- the dad got really mad. <laughs> Note so to dad, everyone, like, not okay. That's not okay. She's actually like one of the only people where Charlie was like, yeah, like, uh, <laughs> wasn't like the best that I did that. He was like, that was Char- a wrong thing that I did. <laughs> yeah. But he said like, you know, these girls were throwing their bodies at him. Like, they were going to have sex with anybody. So it's like they might as well have had sex with Charlie. I, I guess. don't even it's get like how you're attracted mindset. to a 14-year-old girl throwing your her body at you. But whatever. But he's 5'4", so he's almost equal to a 14-year-old boy. <laughs> so it's like almost – I'm just kidding. Anyways, like, I Dean, don't even – whatever. Yeah. Ruth's, Ruth's dad obviously got really pissed when he found out that his 14-year-old daughter was not only banging Charlie but was joining the Manson family. 
So he ended up like rolling up to the Manson family and uh, Charlie looked at him and he's like, oh, it's about free love and this and that. And he gave the dad like a fuckload of acid and the dad like went on this crazy ass acid what trip. What the fuck? And he's like, he's like, you know what, Charlie, you're right. You're a great guy. I'm going to let Ruth stay with you. And then the dad just left. So that's like a side note on. Uh, no. Oh, my God. Worst dad of 1967. <laughs> right. So going back to the. Oh, my God. Is that person alive? I want to send him like an I am and be like. Worst father of 1967 award. You bully him. You're like, fuck you, Dean. Right. He deserves to be bullied. He left his 14-year-old daughter with the Mansons. But it's Right. (laughs) So Charlie traded the piano for Volkswagen bus. Like I mentioned, now that is what made the Manson family mobile. If they never got that Volkswagen bus, it's almost a guarantee that none of this would have happened because that Volkswagen bus gave them the ability to start recruiting people and start growing like a following, which uh-huh. in turn, which eventually made, you know, Charlie become Jesus, go to Spawn Ranch, kill Sharon Tate, all that good stuff. So it all really started Sad. with this Volkswagen bus. Yeah. Mary, she quit her job, sold all of her shit, and she took off with Charlie to drive across California. This Volkswagen bus became their new home. So they just lived inside the bus. In May of 67, the Manson family made their way to Venice Beach. What's up? There, What's Charlie up? started talking to the next Manson girl, Lynette Fromme, or Fromm, um, a.k.a. Lynette Alice Squeaky Fromm, Elizabeth Elaine Williamson, or Lane Williamson, or Red. But most of the time, you'll hear her, Red. she's referred to as Squeaky. Oh, okay. Squeaky grew up in Santa Monica, California. She was, you know, basic white people middle class family she had a great childhood then she got angsty when she was a teenager because you know what else is she going to get upset about in 1963 her family moved to redondo beach and squeaky started rebelling and smoking weed and drinking she would like burn her arm with like a lighter and like carve shit in her arms like fuck you dad like you know, control my life, slam the um, door. Fun side note, uh, Squeaky in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Squeaky is played by D- Dakota Fanning. Oh, fun. Yeah. Squeaky Squeaky is interesting character. Yeah. Her high school grades dropped, her angst grew, and she was just you know consistently having those wild teenage angst moments and fights with her parents, being like, fuck you, you don't control my life. Oh man, I need to be free. You guys are so controlling. Blah blah blah. Just think of like every like white like Tumblr girl <laughs> that you've ever met. <laughs> One night, Squeaky and her dad got into a huge fight over the definition of a word. Cause you know, angst. Um, she told him to fuck right off, packed up her stuff, and left. And <laughs> she moved out. Shit. Uh, she was homeless for a bit. She ended up in Venice Beach, and it wasn't long until Charlie found her. Um, the day they met, she ended up having sex with him, immediately just fell for him, and moved into the Volkswagen bus with Charlie and Mary. A few months of nonstop hippie sex, LSD trips, and a whole lot of weed later, um, eight people were living in the Volkswagen bus, following yes. Charlie and doing whatever he wanted them yes. to do. Of those eight people, really only Mary and Squeaky stayed consistently by Charlie's side um, regardless of where they moved or where their plans were like it was always the two of them that were with Charlie and they became known as Charlie's girls the other people just kind of you know floated in and out depending on the location um, no just a quick note 
if you look at all of the Manson girls, so I'm not going to talk about all of them because there's so many different family members at different times. I'm just going to talk about some like important people so okay. you can recognize their names. But if you look at all of the Manson girls, or really any of the Manson followers, you will notice a really like distinct pattern. All of these people came across Charlie during a time in their life where they felt out of place, where they didn't belong, they didn't know who they were yet. You know, the, the classic cult follower <laughs> life life uh, situations the majority of them were teenagers who just left home for the first time and they were trying to navigate this newfound freedom of being an adult and that's when they found charlie or that's when charlie found them so these people were easy targets because they didn't know what they were going to do yet and they didn't feel belonged like they belonged anywhere they wanted to be hippies society was starting to reject hippies and so when charlie came along and they he you know, introduce them to the family, to this lifestyle of just sex, drugs, and rock and roll. It's all about free love and loving each other. And you belong here. You're important to me. You're beautiful. You matter. You know, he gave them this power, and then they're part of the family. Like, it was easy. Manson also related to these people because he was cast aside by society, you know, pretty much his entire life. He didn't yeah. belong to anybody. He longed for a real family. And he also longed to be a rock star. So by getting all of these followers with him, he was creating a family, but also creating groupies in a way because they worship Charlie. Anyways, Charlie spent more than half of his life in prison. You know, he was abandoned by his family. He was turned away by society. So it was really easy for Charlie to relate to these people, which only made his power over them even stronger because he was like, oh, I get it. Like, you fucking hate your dad. Like, I never even knew my dad. I totally get it. Fuck dads. And the girls are like, yeah. Lana Del Rey's like, yeah. Yeah. He's actually quoted to say, like, he's had, like, sex with some girls. And he's like, you hate your daddy? Well, I'm your daddy now. <laughs> like, saying shit like that to to girls. It's Hot. Time. Towards the end of summer of 67. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'm horny. <laughs> Char- Corey starts masturbating with Charlie Mason. I'm like, okay. No, that won't happen. But the idea of that. <laughs> there is one really really hot guy that joins you have to look up a pic- i'll send you a picture of him is it he's red like a, uh he's a bad guy his name's like davis or something i'll i'll send you a picture of him when we get okay to yeah him. send me a pic of him because he's like because a lot of the manson is it tex no it's it's not tex oh. tex is cute too tex it's in the like, film had some good sex appeal to him in in once yeah. upon a time in hollywood yeah Manson people are really interesting because some of the Manson girls were really pretty. Some were like Manson pretty. Uh-huh. They're just all like dirty hippies. Just yeah, dirty hippie pretty. Yeah. Yeah. But there's this one guy that's like, I saw him and I was like, oh, Corey like, would like 100% masturbate over this guy. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Chris and I watched uh, Shockwave, which is like a 1970s aquatic horror, um, like indie film. And there was just like some hot ass hairy men in that. And I was like, damn, yes. that guy's hot. You're like, I'll be right back. Slam yeah. the door. Uh-huh. And he had like a hot porn stash. It was just fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Anyways. Tor- <laughs> Anyways, back to Summer of Love, 67. Yes. Towards the end of the Summer of Love, Charlie and his girls were at a party, and they met Patricia Krenwinkel, a.k.a. Katie, a.k.a. Big Patty. Awful nickname. Fuck you guys for giving that to her. A.K.A. Crazy Patty, Yellow, Marnie Reeves, Marion Scott, Patricia Montgomery, Holy shit. Marnie Carey's, Carey's, Marina K. Van. Wait, is that the, the party? Is name. that the party that is involved? Is that the um, Hugh Hefner party? That's I in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? I don't think so. Oh, okay. Cool, cool. It's nope. just like a regular Yeah, I'll shut up. Party. You keep going. 
Um, I have a like I know a lot of Once Upon a Time of Hollywood was like accurate with the Manson family, but uh, yeah, a good amount of it was. Like, yeah, they, they partied with a lot of celebrities and stuff, but that's not that's coming up. Like all of their crazy oh okay Hollywood okay celebrity parties. I don't really go into the specific celeb parties because they because that's a lot. Yeah, there's a ton of information. We don't need to say it all. Yeah, it's like not super important to the story. But anyways, yeah. this is just some like random ass party at some fucker's house. And uh, Patricia Kernwinkle, a.k.a. Big Patty, rolled up to the party. So Patricia, she's born on December 3rd, 1947, to a white middle-class family in L.A. Patricia really struggled with self-esteem. She pretty much fucking hated herself. She struggled with her Aww. weight. Uh, she had excess body hair. She was used for boys for sex and then just dumped and ridiculed for her looks. Fuck. Her parents divorced when she was 17. They pretty much told her they could care less about her feelings. What? After, gra- after graduating high school, she went to a Catholic co- school in Alabama, but she dropped out and moved in with her sister in like this shitty apartment in California. Her sister was a junkie. She got, a, she got Patricia addicted to um, diet pills by pretty much telling Patricia that how ugly she was. I mean, Patricia was fucked up. Like her, oh, poor, yeah. She, like her self-esteem was non-existent. She hated herself. Like she was completely vulnerable to to anybody that would give her any attention, and uh, she just had a really tough, like adolescence. Patty, um, she went to this party. She saw this handsome dude playing the guitar and talking about free love, and he, she just saw all of these beautiful women surrounding him, and it just made her feel awful. Because she looked at this guy she was, like, attracted to and looked at all these women. She was like, oh, my God. Like, that's never going to be me. Like, I, I fucking hate myself. I get that. I have gone through moments like that where you look at someone that's so stunning and you just feel shitty about yourself. <laughs> so Same she, girl. Preach. Preach, Channa. <laughs> same, same, same big Patty. So, Patty, <laughs> she went off by herself in the party. She was feeling really insecure, really sad. And she was like, you know what? Like, I'm just going to go, like this is fucking sucks. Like I'm never going to win at life. And Charlie noticed this. Like he noticed her and noticed how sad she was and how shy she was. So he went up to her and he spent the entire night just talking to her and making her laugh. And he looked at her and called her beautiful. So immediately Patty and Charlie had sex um, and while they were That's fucking, me. Right. <laughs> they're like, you're pretty. Your Someone's like, you're down. beautiful. You're like, oh, Jump cut. <laughs> Yeah, jump cut. Do you like gagging on dick? (laughs) (laughs) Jump cut on me getting sent to the fucking hospital because I'm choking on Charles Manson's dick. (laughs) He probably had a big dick. I like to imagine that Charlie had a big penis. Oh, yeah. He's 5'2". Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Get a little chode. So while they were... Now, keep in mind, like, any other time Patricia has had sex... Immediately after, she was just ridiculed for her looks and, like, belittled by what? men. So sex was a really negative thing for her. So having sex with Charlie was already, like, a big deal. And while they were having sex, Charlie looked at her and he said, like, you are the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life. Oh, like, my you God. Are like, you deserve love. You deserve sex. You deserve freedom. Like, look at you. You're fucking incredible. And she wept <laughs> like she they came, they orgasmed after, you know, hours oh. of sensual love. OK, like Charles what Manson. a fucking piece of shit to like say that because he's manipulating her. But because also manip- like, knows. yeah, yeah. Taking out what we know about the whole situation. Like, oh, my God. Like, I get we you know, you should get her. You should understand that. Yeah. 
Um, side note, like Patricia does end up becoming like a really bad person. But if you set that all aside and you just look at this specific situation, <laughs> I feel for her. I get no, it. No, but that's what it's that's like, what I'm saying. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying is like these people were people before they were horrible monsters. Totally. And that's just the whole thing yeah. is like, you know, because we're such a harsh society and then people can realize that and then take advantage of it like Charles Manson. That's how this happens. Yeah, exactly. So they had this beautiful, sensual, sexual experience. She wept. She just cried. She just said she looked at him. And it was the first time in her entire life that she ever felt beautiful and ever felt worthy of love. And she later said in an interview that she put her head in Charlie's lap after they finished making love. And she looked up at him and she thought to herself, no one has made me feel this way before. I would do anything for him. He could do no wrong. And that and just like that, she was in. She was a Manson girl. Damn. And she saw Charlie as a god because that's Damn. what he did. And then anytime he wasn't having sex with the girls, he was just drugging them and just do, doing crazy acid with them. And you can only do acid so many times before you get really beat down. But they looked at him and Charlie was such a positive yeah. influence. So how could someone so positive that made them feel so confident and powerful uh, hurt them? No, that doesn't make sense. This is classic cult, y'all. After that, Bruce Davis joined the Manson family. Now, let me Shit. just show you Bruce Davis real quick. Yes, <laughs> You're bitch. welcome. You're welcome. Looking him up. Uh, Bruce. There's one specific um, Davis. picture I want to – I'm going to send you. Because there's one oh. picture where I was like – it's it's like uh, his arrest picture. Him beat up. Yeah, his beat up. Like, oh, my God. Yes. Okay. <gasps> <laughs> Sorry. I'm going to the charlesmanson.com. Give me one oh my god, he's holding right hands with a dude. Oh my god, I would do whatever that man told me. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Right. Um Oh my oh my lord. He even shaves his head in one pick and he's still fucking hot. Right? Oh my yeah, god, Bruce not. Davis. Like Why is Bruce Davis not the leader? <laughs> Holy shit. I know. Oh my god. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Wait, what are you, are you sending me there the for guy. Facebook? I, I haven't even looked at the one yeah, you sent I'm me. Like, I'm just looking at shit on the internet. <laughs> yeah, no, like he's so, like his chest hair, <laughs> this picture and his beard and his hair. I was just like, I literally like pulled it up and I was like, oh yeah, I know Corey's going to, Corey's going to enjoy this one. So Bruce Davis, his nicknames, Bruce McMillian, George McMillian. Yes, no, that's Davis. the last one that I saw. Fuck yes. If that huh. person came up to me and was like, join my cult and I'll have sex with you, I'd be like. Okay, sir. <laughs> yeah, no, he's like Corey's exact kink, y'all. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Jack Paul McMillian, Bruce McGregor, lots and lots and lots of nicknames. Uh, he's hot as fuck. He and Charlie had a lot of similarities. Um, they were both musicians. Last God episode damn. in episode 63, I was going to pull his picture Char- up again. I just want to look at it while you're talking. <laughs> Last time in episode 63, I talked about that while Charlie was in jail, he really got into like Scientology and like all of these other like crazy ass philosophies um bruce davis was actually like a member of scientology i think around the time that he met charlie so they had a lot of common interests and especially like charlie met dave bruce davis and he was like yo like you want to have sex with all these women you want to have sex with me like let's take some acid and fuck and so obviously he joined because why wouldn't he it's the guy he's a fucking piece. fucking hot ass piece of shit yeah <laughs> Then after that, Susan Atkins, a.k.a. Sadie Mae Glutz, Sexy Sadie, Violet Sher- Sharon King, Donna K. Powell joins. Again, just choose Jesus- two. Jesus Christ, girl. 
So Susan Atkins is a super fun backstory that Corey is going to absolutely love. Yes. She grew up in a white middle class family like everybody else. That is an important note that the majority of all these followers were, you know, came up with just white middle class basic ass families. Like they had pretty normal childhoods. They were just angsty as fuck when they were teens. And then therefore they didn't feel like they belonged. Then Manson found them. And here we are. Anyways, she grew up <laughs> white middle class family. She sang in the church choir. She taught Sunday school. She was like the perfect, you know, prude little Christian girl. She helped take care of her mom who's dying of cancer. She was like Christianity's exact kink, y'all. Um, after her mom died from cancer, however, things took a turn. Susan's father, who she always had a great relationship with, was destroyed by his wife's death. And he, instead of being there for his kids who are also destroyed, he just abandoned them because he couldn't handle them and he couldn't handle the responsibility and he couldn't handle the grief from his like love of his life dying. So he just straight up like abandoned Susan and her brothers just to fend for themselves. She dropped out of high school because of this. Um, she ended up living from at family member after family member's house. Each family member just didn't give a single shit about her. Um, so suddenly, like, the whole world was starting to turn against her, even though up to this point, like, she dedicated her whole life to being, like, this great Christian girl. But, like, what good was it when now her whole world's turning against her? So she basically said, fuck it. She was like, you know what? Like, being a good Christian girl obviously did not help me out in life. Like, fuck this. I'm done. So she moved to San Francisco. She ended up meeting some escaped inmates <laughs> and did a couple fuck. armed robberies with them. So things started escalating. Um, then she became, oh wait, I didn't write this down, but I remember this. She and the inmates ended up getting busted for some armed robbery, I think in like Oregon or something. The dudes went to prison for years and years and years, but she ended up only getting probation after serving three months in like a county jail. So after she did that, she went to San Francisco and she became a topless dancer for the Church of yeah. Satan. Oh and my she God. She regularly performed in the show <laughs> The Witch's Sabbath. Oh my God. <laughs> I want, like, if if I did that and that wasn't the first sentence in my obituary. <laughs> <laughs> then what the fuck was life for? Then what the fuck was existence for? <laughs> right? So Susan, satanic church topless dancer who used to be a Catholic girl, she met Charlie at a party, heard his music, met all the women, and Bruce slept with Charlie, fell in love with Charlie, quit her satanic stripping job, and joined yes. the family. Um, around this time, Mary Bruner becomes pregnant with Charl with Charlie's baby. Okay. Keep in mind, like Charlie already had other kids from like previous relationships. I talked about that in episode sixty three, uh -huh. but none of them are involved with Charlie's life at this point. Um, so this was going to become though the first baby in the Manson family. Whoa. And this baby pretty much launched the Manson's family's like obsession with babies. So like pretty soon, like all the women were just constantly getting pregnant. They were raising kids on the commune. It was like a whole fucking clusterfuck. Anyways, now we are in fall slash winter of 67. Keep in mind, it hasn't even been a year since Charlie got out of prison yet. And he already Shit. has four Manson's family regulars and between, you know, Anywhere from 10 to 15 randoms that would pop in and out of the family. And this entire time, the group was dropping LSD or smoking weed daily and fucking. Like, that was yes. the whole group. And just talking about, you know, letting go of the material world, being free, giving each other the ultimate power, blah, 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 fun, hippie stuff. The family ended up in L.A. so Charlie could pursue his music career. Because keep in mind, this entire time, Charlie still wanted to be a rock star. 
Um, that winter, the group started partying at the Spiral Staircase House. So this house was wild. Think of 486 plus like a satanic cult. <laughs> like that's what it was. <laughs> Yes. It had a reputation for animal sacrifices. Quick note, my computer autocorrected animal to anal sacrifices. So yes. Um, blood drinking. They're like, let's take sex- it one step further. Yeah. A- anal sacrifices, blood drinking, sex magic, craziest rituals. It was getting wild. Charlie oh, my God. Claims- Can I, like, interject? So I've been looking yeah. up a l- extra pictures of Bruce Davis. And there's, like, <laughs> there's like a Charles Manson version of of bruce davis like with disheveled hair down to almost his shoulders and like full beard like oh yeah I, I, it's his arrest picture i have it like right here. Fu- like fuck me like yeah. seriously it, y'all i'm sorry but like this man is fucking is it the one i just sent you he's gorgeous so he's so hot oh wait yeah, yeah like let me he's see. like yes he's like that one there's he's a like colorized version thing. like he's 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 fucking hot he kind of looks like Jordan. <laughs> I could see that. I could like how his how his head or, or how his hair uh like yeah. sets on his head and his uh and his beard his beard. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's he's fucking hot. He's like, he, y'all. He's fucking objectively hot. Yeah. No. If even he, like, as an old street, man, I'd be like, I'll do whatever. Yeah. I there's pictures of him as an old man right now, currently, and, and he's like. You can you can look at that old man and be like, oh wow, like you were attractive in your days, and like yeah, he's, he fucking was. Yeah. He, Shit. He's, Sorry he's guys. Hot. <laughs> you know he's fucking. <laughs> he's beautiful. He he like has an easy smile. God damn, I would say whatever this guy told me, I'd believe. <laughs> and that uh, and that uh, now you understand why people joined the Manson family, everybody. <laughs> Garson, you start writing him letters. And Just jail. like you know, give me thirty-two days without sex. <laughs> and you're a Manson member. And I'm like a fucking that. Manson member. End of story. Oh, Lord, Jesus. Lord, Lord. Going back to the spiral staircase. Sorry, Jim. <laughs> Charlie actually claims that the spiral staircase, like this house, was a turning point for the family. Before they started partying at this house, they were truly just dirty ass hippies who wanted to play music, take drugs, and have okay. sex. Like it was as wholesome as, you know, the '60s hippie movement can possibly be. Yeah. The spiral staircase was like the turning point. That is what introduced the group to violence and also heavier drugs. So things started getting a little bit darker for the group. Um, This was also where Charlie transitioned from, you know, a groovy guitar playing dude who made everyone feel great to a guru slash modern day Jesus. Basically how this happened, Charlie and the group, they were tripping fucking balls at the spiral staircase. Sorry. There's been like sirens going off nonstop for like three weeks. Shit. Okay. So you can hear sirens in the background. So the group were, they were tripping balls, dropped crazy-ass acid. Um, Charlie was wearing a, like, white, like, bathrobe, and he decided to bathe to, like, wash probably Bruce Davis's feet. We'll just say it was Bruce Davis because that's hot. So he, and they were, like, you know, peaking on 1960s acid, going fucking ham bone. So he's washing this dude's feet because, you know, you do weird shit on acid. That's just what happens. Okay. Susan looked over at Charlie, and she saw him, like, wearing this robe, washing this like his feet 
and she could like see this like glow around him. Oh shit, she Jesus! Was, like, she was like, "Oh my god!" And Charles Manson does look like Jesus, like he does. If you Val- valid, him. yeah, valid claim. And and she looked at him, especially on acid. And yeah, she especially like, on acid. Oh my god. Yeah, like that's fucking Jesus. Wait, Christ. was he washing Bruce's feet? <laughs> Yeah, he was washing Bruce's feet for the sake of the story. He was washing someone's feet, but Fuck we're going to yeah. say no, Bruce. No, he's washing Bruce's feet. As, as Bruce is giving uh, Charlie a hand job. Oh, like he's just naked, just sitting yeah, there. Yeah, Bruce is naked Smoking with a, a fucking boner. cigarette. <laughs> and Corey's there get, sitting on Bruce's dick. Oh, oh just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's, oh like, so offended. Some people, like, turn off this podcast <laughs> at this point. <laughs> Y'all, I don't know Bruce's involvement in this story yet, so just, like, bear with my 32-day fast. I'm, I'm not going to tell you anyone's involvement yet because I'm having so much fun <laughs> with your reactions. <laughs> next, so next episode, episode is me just going to be like, oh, shit, I'm sorry. <laughs> you, like, delete this episode from, from Podbean. <laughs> Y'all, I'm drunk, and I'm 32 days, like, more than a month without actual physical sex with another human being. <laughs> so here we go. <laughs> so Susan saw Charlie on acid, looking like Jesus, washing Bruce Davis's dick, and she was like, "Holy fucking lord! Holy like, fucking this is balls. Jesus!" Like Charlie, already for the past few months, has made us feel so powerful and so loved and confident, and he, he was able to do this because he's Jesus. Like, how could we have not seen this before? Shit. You know, she told That's everybody. Crazy. Every, everyone was like, oh, my God. Like, duh. Of course he's Jesus. Charlie also had his own vision at this time um, that he was Jesus. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he's like, oh, hey, that makes sense. Because I. Did yeah, this. no, because and, you know, Charlie was just craving power and he was just craving, you know, being like a leader. And it was just making his ego grow. And so as soon as people were like, we think Charlie's Jesus it was very convenient for Charlie to have a, his own vision. And you're on acid. If someone tells you anything on acid, you're like, oh, my God. You're like, you're, va- right. like, you're like I, I will take that up for consideration. Yeah. <laughs> Completely. And he's tripping balls. And he's like, you know what? Maybe I could be Jesus. Like, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. So he had this vision of, like, God in front of him in a white robe talking about Jesus. And then Charlie looked down. And suddenly he was wearing a white robe because he was. He oh, was shit. in a dirty bathrobe. Oh, and shit. And he was like, oh, my God. Like. I am the reincarnated Jesus. And he looked around all of his followers and he was like, oh my God, this group, like they are the reincarnations of the original Christians. Oh my God. We have a purpose to be here. It's not just about free love and free sex. Like we have a bigger purpose. That's where I just like act the part. I'm like, oh my God, you're Jesus. And then like in the middle of the night at like 3.03 (laughs) a.m., like I come up to, I like get up to Bruce and just like wake him up. And I'm like, Hey, like, let's leave. Let's leave. <laughs> You're like, we gotta get out of here. Like, I love you. Like, 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 we gotta get the, the fuck out of here. I fucking love you. <laughs> I'm in fucking love with you. I'll let you do whatever you want. <laughs> like, that's my once upon a time in Hollywood version. <laughs> there we go. We should. You should make your your own once upon a time in Hollywood. It's just oh, a I love know. Story between you and Bruce. Uh, right. <laughs> it's like a. Beautiful... I'm like once upon a time in West Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious right (laughs) keep in mind they have been doing acid almost daily for months if you haven't done acid before um i i just want to make something clear like (laughs) when you are on acid you come up with your own conclusions and no one cares about reality anymore (laughs) having these like profound moments so if you have been tripping balls 
almost daily for months, like all of these profound moments that you're having, like they're becoming real life. Like you are losing your identity. Like you're losing everything about you. It's very easy to believe almost anything now. And whoever's the most prominent voice is like what you believe in. Yeah. And that was Charlie. Yeah. So the months went on. The group continued partying. Charlie was now hippie Jesus who preached about letting go of the material world. Shit. Separating yourself from your family slash old life and fully immersing yourself into their free love family. Becoming your authentic self. You know, feel the true free love. And most importantly, drop some motherfucking acid. In March of 68, two of the Manson girls were hitchhiking in L.A. And they were picked up by Dennis Wilson, a.k.a. Brad Pitt. Drummer. For the Beach Boys. Fuck yeah, a.k.a. No, Brad not Pitt. Talking. No, Brad Pitt was a stunt <laughs> Fictional man. character, fictional character. Cue Good Vibrations by the Beach Boys. I already played it earlier. Yeah, you play, I'm thinking up good vibrations. Because I don't know the words. <laughs> wow. <laughs> looks like someone grew up in Texas, not Southern California like me. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> How places I lived were, are in the Beach Boys songs. Oh. Anyways. Dennis took the girls back to their house, had sex with them. <laughs> they yes. told him all about their guru, Charlie Manson. Hell Dennis, yes. he was so Dennis was like the lamest beach boy and definitely the least talented beach boy, especially compared to his brother, Brian Wilson, who is uh, like, you know, a musical genius of like the 60s. Hell yes. Um, so and Dennis kind of rebelled against the beach boys. So the beach boys were pretty like they at least put on the show that they were all, you know, really clean and like good dudes. Um, but yeah, Dennis I love the Beach Boys. Really, I really do. Dennis was really into like the counterculture hippie movement. He's really into drugs, you know, having like crazy sex with hitch with girls that are hitchhiking. Like he was really, you know, rebelling. So he picked up the Manson girls, had sex with them. They were like, "Hey, why don't you meet our guru, Charlie Manson?" And since he already had like an interest in the hippie movement and drugs, especially. He was like, okay, I'm kind of interested in Charlie. So he left after he fucked the girls, went to go record some music with the Beach Boys. And when he returned, Charlie was, and the entire family is already kicking it at his house. In fact, Charlie was just standing in his driveway and Dennis walked up and he was like, who the fuck is this like 5'4 weird man like standing in my driveway? And he was like, are you going to hurt me? And Charlie's like, do I look like someone who's going to hurt you, brother? I love you. And then he bent, like, got down on his knees and kissed Dennis's feet. And then he's like, do you want to go fuck some girls and do acid? And Dennis is like, yeah, let's Valid. do it. Valid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if your answer to that question is yes, I support that. <laughs> right? So they dropped some acid. Dennis fucked some girls and some dudes. And hippie Jesus Charlie Manson, you know, he just started teaching his weird philosophies. Um, in exchange, Dennis left, let the Manson family live in his house with him for over six months. What the <laughs> fuck? I didn't know over, that. Over the next six months, Charlie and the fam spent over $100,000 of Dennis's money, held massive acid parties, had crazy sex, and they just partied with celebrities and music producers. Jealous. So this is when, like, the Hugh Hefner parties kind of came into play. Because uh-huh. Dennis had all these connections with these celebrities. With the, and that's, like, the intro to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. So, like, this was the time. Like, And also, Charlie, who's always wanted to be a rock star, becoming friends with the motherfucking Beach Boys was key. Like, he 
figured like there's no way my rock star career is going to fail like now I have all of these connections in Hollywood people knew Charlie Manson and Charlie like he was having sex with all these celebrities (laughs) like he and all of his girls and guys were just going to these parties fucking you know rich people celebrities like they were becoming known (laughs) it was charlie and his girls charlie and the family yes the good group continued to grow and soon charles watson aka tex joined the family tex is a key player remember that name and if you're familiar with this case you already know about tex or at least have heard the name or the or the movie the the tarantino film while all of this was going on charlie still had his goal rock star um and like i said he knew that dennis would be the key charlie already had the talent he already had the family aka it looked like he had groupies you know he already had the whole look the whole persona of a 60s rock star dennis had the connections it was a match made in heaven yes Um, dennis enjoyed charlie's music and even recorded some of his music charlie was trying to become the sixth beach boy but brian wilson beach boy legend um, hello, pet sounds. Thank you. Anyways, he fucking hated Charlie Manson. Oh, thank you, dude. Uh, and he was like, no, like Charlie's not going to become the sixth Beach Boy. Like one, he, <laughs> Charlie has a very he literally style does not embody Beach Boys. Beach Boys. <laughs> yeah, like does he look like a Beach Boy? No. Does he sound? Does like he one? look no. like a like Mormonized? good Mormon no. boy California like Beach dude? No. <laughs> yeah, and like can he harmonize? No, like he's not no. going to be a fucking Beach Boy. <laughs> This, so this hurt Dennis and Charlie's relationship, but Charlie figured, like, okay, you know what? Like, the Beach Boy route, like, didn't work out, but Dennis has all these other connections. Like, I have so many opportunities ahead of me. Like, it's okay. But that did hurt their relationship. Um, most importantly, <laughs> around this time, Dennis introduced Charlie to Terry Melcher. So Terry was interested in Charlie. Um, he brought in Charlie to record some of his music. Charlie tried to record, but he was, like, struggling learning how to use, like, a microphone. And the girls he brought in to record with him were, like, high as balls and were, like, dancing around the studio being, like, wow, what's this? Like, fucking with all the super expensive equipment, just trying to, like, make out and have sex, like, while Charlie was recording. Yes. Charlie was getting really frustrated, but Terry was getting really frustrated. He's, like, he told Charlie, if you want to become a rock star, like, you need to have some professionalism. Like, you have to clean yourself up a little bit. Like, you can't come yeah. in here and, like, use my studio as an excuse to, like, go on an acid bender and, like, destroy my equipment. Like, you're disrespecting me. Charlie freaked the fuck out. Like, could not take any form of advice or constructive criticism. Like, put th- did this whole fit. And Terry was like, I don't even know why I'm wasting my time with you. Like, get out. Like, this like this isn't going to happen, dude. Like, Oh, come shit. On. Shortly after this, um, Charlie, very upset now that his rock star dream was slipping through his fingers, he borrowed one of Dennis's cars and he totaled it, which costed Dennis well over $21,000 because the car was uninsured. Holy shit. The relationship with Charlie and Dennis, you know, it was already getting rough. Six months of acid can do that for you. Dennis not wanting, or sorry, Brian Wilson not wanting, Charlie. The I'm Beach nodding Boys. incessantly to that now, like, <laughs> Now the producers like are turning against Charlie. Charlie feels like this is Dennis's fault, like the world's turning against him again, because up until this point, the world has always rejected Charlie. Charlie was always felt like a loser, and he felt like a loser again. He felt like he was losing his power. And so he got in this huge, giant fight with Dennis, you know, oh, crashed shit. his car. Dennis was like, you know what? fuck this like you have costed me now over one hundred and twenty thousand dollars. like we have been doing non-stop acid 
all of us Damn. in the house got gonorrhea at one point, which costed him like forty thousand dollars or something to cure. He's like, you know what? He's like, get the fuck out. I'm moving. So he moved. The family tried to stay for a little bit, but the landlord was like, no, <laughs> and like evicted the family. Um, so the family was back on the road again. And for a short time, they were doing, you know, what they normally did, living in a bus, doing drugs, trying to find a new home. Yes. And that's when they found Spawn Ranch. Spawn ranch. ranch is a 55-acre ranch in Los Angeles. It was mainly used for Western movies and TV shows yep. from Bonanza, Lone Ranger, Zorro. Yes. Like, you've you've seen this ranch in a movie. It's it's very famous. Yes. Um, George, George Spawn, um, he was the owner of the ranch. At the time that he met the Manson, he was 81 years old, blind as hell, um, could barely really get around. Like he, It was pretty much just him taking care of the ranch. He had some other workers on the ranch, but the ranch was falling apart, um, especially like Westerns like weren't in style anymore or were going out of style, so people were yeah. really using the ranch. Um, he was actually turning the ranch into kind of a tourist hotspot because he had a bunch of horses, so he would let people come in and rent horses. You actually see that in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, the Manson family is like guiding a tour group on horses. Uh, uh-huh. Anyways, Manson's rolled up. Uh, actually, Sadie Atkins knew um, like a like a caretaker on the ranch or some like mechanic on the ranch. And so that was kind of their in with Spawn Ranch. Um, so Charlie and the gang, they rolled up. Charlie's a schmoozer. He, he and George loved each other. Like they had so much fun talking. Um, but George really liked the Manson girls. Yeah. So George let the Mansons stay at the ranch for free as long as they worked on the ranch. You know, they cleaned, they cooked, they made repairs, took care of the horses. They were the ones who did like the whole tourist horseback riding experience. Uh-huh. And the girls became George's caretakers, meaning they had sex with George. Squeaky, in particular, was the main caretaker for George. She actually earned her nickname Squeaky because she would squeak anytime George would rub the inside of her thigh. She would squeak. Ew. <laughs> That's how she got her nickname. He's 81. I, blind. I hate the last 20 words that just came out of your mouth. <laughs> Me too. But Squeaky <laughs> was smart because the ranch was kind of a shithole. Like it fell apart at this point. And if you weren't really taking care of George, you lived in one of the, you know, movie sets. So there wasn't like a bathroom in the movie sets. Like you kind of were sleeping on the floor. But if you, if George really liked you, you got to sleep in his house. And he had a television and he had, you know, running water and a TV and this and that. So Squeaky was smart. She was like, oh, all I have to do is like, fuck this dude. And I get a bed and I get like my own little cottage in a way. So like might as well. Now, according to Manson, he said that the girls all wanted to have sex with George Obviously, that's not the case. Uh, it is d- well documented that he forced the girls to have sex with George yeah. to continue them living there for free. But again, like the girls, this kind of goes back to how Charlie was like a master pimp <laughs> like back in the day. I talked about this in episode 63. Like he knew how to make girls want to pimp because he was like, oh, I love you. You're so powerful. You love me so much. Like, why wouldn't you have sex with somebody to let the family stay on the ranch? Like you're doing it for the family. Like, look how powerful you are. Like you're using your body to get us are are like the roof over our heads so it was really easy for him to manipulate the girls now spawn ranch was perfect for the fam it was communal living mixed with some old hollywood flair um, the movie sets were a perfect backdrop for their many acid slash shroom trips and in later interviews members of the family mentioned how the ranch allowed them to freely express themselves and play with the world because they would do acid 
and then as they're peeking they would look around and they would feel like they're in a movie so they would put on these like elaborate stories and games they would always that, play that's fun so that's fun. actually pretty oh, fun yeah. like that isolated like thought that's cool yeah it's 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 a good time mm-hmm. i'm into that i'd be so into that yeah i'd be like, I'd be oh, like okay yeah. cool i'm like yeah. bruce let's and go back for like a day <laughs> right and then while they're here they you know we're dancing naked around the fires there were like hot springs and streams they would go bathing in sing dance make love have sex rock and roll listen to charlie our guru talk about how we're reformed christians and free love let go of the material world and it was beautiful Shit. for a bit and then about a month after they moved into the ranch the beach boys released a song titled never learn not to love which was actually a song that Manson recorded <gasps> stole and reworked it. Manson's was titled Cease to Exist. They stole it. They reworked it. They added oh, the Beach shit. Boys flair. They launched it. Boom. It's in the top 100. Made the Beach Boys relevant again. Oh, shit. And Charlie knew. I, I didn't know that, this. That's my fucking song. So to jump ahead a little bit, this is just a quick little interesting t- story to make you a little bit wet for the yes. next episode. Um, after I'm done with the story, we'll continue chronologically with what's going on. So Manson knew that he couldn't kill Dennis Wilson. Like he was really angry at the Beach Boys for stealing his music and becoming relevant again with his own music because that could have been him. That should. And that's like his him. pipe dream to that's his feel dream of being a rock star to feel loved by the world. Yeah, and when now he has been hated. Look, yeah, and now the world's praising the Beach Boys for the song when it was Charles. Charles Manson's song, and he Damn, wanted to be that, a rock that's star. That's significant. That's a significant was, angle to this whole story. I didn't know that. Yeah, this is this is a big. This is like yeah. A, 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 this is this is the reason. That's a good insight to his psyche of this. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I'm trying to do a good job. With good it. job, Channa. I'm totally Thank enthralled. <laughs> so he he knew <laughs> my pussy is wet with dread. <laughs> oh, that's exactly what I wanted. So he knew he couldn't kill Dennis or hurt Dennis because if he did that. All of his music connections, specifically with Terry Melcher, would be destroyed. And Charlie was still like, you know what? Like, fuck these guys, but maybe I can still become big. Like, if that song made it, like, I know yeah. I have talent at least. Yeah. So, like, I can't kill Dennis, so what do I do? So he went to Dennis's hel- house. He shot a gun and, like, left a bullet in the bed. Dennis was like, what the fuck? And oh, Manson shit. was like, fuck you, pretty much, and dipped. And, and Manson was angry. He was like, okay, he's like, well, what can I do? Like, I, I really just need to become a rock star. Like, I know I can do it. I obviously have the writing capabilities to do it. He's like, you know what? I'm going to call Terry Melcher again. Like, we had a bad experience in the recording studio, but some time has passed, and maybe I can convince him to come out to the ranch, and we can re- talk about recording another album. So yeah. he called up Terry. He was like, yo, Beach Boys stole my song. I know you're, like, BFFs with the Beach Boys. I'm fucking pissed about it, but come out here. Let's try to record some music. Also, if you come out here, you can, like, uh, you know, fuck some girls, drop some acid, and let's record. Terry was like, all right, I guess I'll come out. Like, I'll, I'll hear you out, which Charlie interpreted as Terry being like, oh, 100%, I'm going to produce an album, and, and your career is going to be launched. Like, I am your r- producer now. We're going to make this work, which literally never happened. Charlie was also convinced that he somehow signed a contract or had, like, a verbal contract with Terry that uh, Terry would represent Charles and launch Charles's career. Uh-huh. And Charlie was like, you know, so fucked up off drugs at this point. 
I'm sure he did believe that his conversation with Terry was really Terry being like, yes, I will come out and record your entire album and win you a Grammy and this and that. But Terry, his whole game plan was to really go out to the ranch just to see if he should give Charlie another chance at the possibility of them recording together. So he rolled out to the ranch to look at Charlie, see if Charlie, you know, polished anything at all. Obviously, Charlie hasn't. (laughs) And he was like, you know what? Like, this is not worth exploring for me. Like, I don't see how this is going to benefit me at all. Like, you're just going to be a problem. So he left. Oh. Realizing now that the Beach Boys stole his songs, the only producer he really had connections with at this point just turned away again. He was seeing his rock star dreams just being destroyed. And now he was fully blaming Terry. He was like, you know what? Terry's fucking friends with the Beach Boys and they stole my song. And Terry doesn't want to record with me. It's because he wants to steal my music for the Beach Boys. Fuck Terry. It's, it's his fault I'm not going to become a rock star. It's his fault like the world's turning against me again. Like this is fucking Terry's fault. So he went to Terry Melcher's house to confront him. Oh, shit. However, <gasps> Melcher no longer lived there. No. He was renting his house to Sharon Tate. No. Ooh. To Roman Polanski and Sharon Tate. Yes. You actually saw this in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. You, no. There's a scene where, where he Charlie shows walks up. up to the house. Yeah. And he's asking for like a different owner. And they're like, he doesn't live here anymore. That was Terry. That's like Melcher. his only scene in that movie. So now that I made you a little bit wet with dread, Shit. we're going to go back to the summer of 68. Ooh. Ooh. Over the next few months, the group spent their days taking care of the ranch. You know, the women are fucking spawn. George Spawn, they're all fucking each other. Corey was fucking Bruce Davis. Women were having multiple, multiple babies. Wait, is Bruce Davis still here? Because yeah, in Bruce my Davis mind, I took here. him and we're gone. <laughs> like, no, you guys are you guys are still fucking on the. Oh, ranch. we're we're still here. Okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> in my mind, we're like in fucking I don't know Ibiza. In like France. <laughs> like, oh my god. With Lindsay Lohan just like living it up. Yeah, that's actually what. Or happened. I guess Miko knows. <laughs> Uh, and the group, was they're continuing to do many acid trips, so what else is new? Now, the ranch, it isolated the family from the world, It and it was very easy for paranoia to grow. This is like cult 101, y'all. Um, Charlie's teachings that he was Jesus and the group of reincarnations of the OG Christians started growing more intense, naturally, because you combine isolation with acid trips with ch- crazy Charlie Manson, and this is what you're going to get. Um, in fact, Charlie would guide them through acid trips and reenact the crucifixion Holy while they were shit. on acid. I would fucking kill myself. I would leave. <laughs> if I was I tripping would, acid uh-uh. and someone started reenacting the crucifixion, I'd be like, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't like, kill myself. I'd be okay. like, you're an idiot. And then I would leave. <laughs> I would be so disturbed. I would be like, you're now, an idiot. Now, in an interview... Bye. In an interview with one of the Manson girls, like, way later, she mentioned that during these particular acid trips, she remembers just feeling completely out of control, and yet Charlie was calm and in complete <gasps> control. And oh everything around them seemed chaotic and dark except for him. Like, he was the light that made the group safe. That's she crazy. Realized, she realized way later in life that she never remembered Charlie actually taking acid with them. Oh, so she's pretty shit. sure that he would give them acid. He would pretend to take it. And then while they were peeking and tripping, 
he he would use that as an opportunity to have these profound oh. moments and be the common comfort to further make them think he was Jesus That's because everything was so chaotic they were feeling so scared and yet he was calm of course he was Jesus That's crazy he, to like be a person personally me like who has gone through an ego death and acid a quote unquote ego death in acid or like had crazy anxiety and then to say like oh but this person like carried me out of it and was my savior like that's crazy like i like that's that's that i mean like there's a test to how much they just like believed everything he said yeah he would also have them mirror him while they were peeking so for example like let's say patty was standing in front of him he would look at her and be like okay any face I make, like you have to make, you have Fuck. to replicate it. And he, and he would hold up his hands and be like, you have to do this. Bye. It was a, basically a way for them to learn to copy his actions without question. <laughs> He's like, I mean, Oh God, hear the words up. in my mouth. <laughs> Literally. It gets more <laughs> fucked up. He knew the key to make them stay loyal to him was to completely strip them of any previous identity that they had. Like they Shit. had to become full Manson. So all of the Shit. Manson members, you know, they had negative relationships with their parents or something in their dark past. So while they were peeking, he would go up to them and say things like, Corey, I can see your dad in you. I can see your dad in you right now. You need to strip your identity. You need to let go of this. You need to, you know, you need to go over there, do exactly what I say. And then your dad's going to, you're finally going to. I look at Bruce dad. and I'm like, is and that right? Like, <laughs> and Bruce is like, yeah, it's right. You're like, fine. I'm like, fuck, fine. But he would tell them. Like, purge yourself of the past, give up your old identity, accept your new free identity, because that's the only way you can really be loved and be authentic and have this free and like, can life. I, can I still suck Bruce's dick? And they're like, yes. And, yeah. He's <laughs> if like, you do this. And I'm love. like, okay. <laughs> right? So the whole thing is really fucked up, because, you know, it went from, we're having a good time, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, to yeah. Charlie's rock and, like, rock star dream failing. To, like, no, to sir. The visions of him being Jesus, to then him using drugs to manipulate and just scramble in that, his uh, followers minds and that is just within another year so like the first year with sex drugs the first year after uh um prison was all the sex drugs and rock and roll and then the next year was what you just said yeah this is uh, like yeah, this to is, sum it up yeah to pretty much sum it up by year by year first year great second year the starting to get a little not we're at the ranch fun. and we're scary yeah. Yeah. We're starting to get a little scary, but they're so in it now. <laughs> like they're past the point of no return in the cult, tripping every day, you know. And I get that. There, a year really and no a half of acid will do that to you. It's going to do that to you. Yeah. Um, this is also around the time that he started teaching the family that death did not exist. Shh. Death did <laughs> not exist because birth existed. <laughs> When someone dies, someone's That's born. That's where I just like look life. at Bruce and I'm like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> you're like, like "Can we go is, now? Okay. Can we go to San Francisco yeah, you're like, now?" <laughs> you're like, "Yikes! What happened to the summer of love?" <laughs> and here we go. This is Shit. when Manson started having visions of a race war. What the it fuck? Was start, it was time to start preparing for the new world, and then. The Beatles' White Album was released. <sighs> and this is where we're going to stop, everybody, oh, for today. Episode 66 is going to immediately start with 66. the race war. 
And then going to Helter Skelter, the Beatles' White Album, oh God. all the good stuff. Oh God. There is a lot to unpack. And then we're going to get into the murders, the investigation, and the trial. Episode 66 will be a very, very long episode. So buckle up, everybody. But yes. that is so, uh, like, Charles Manson Part in preparation, 2, y'all. In like, preparation, like listen to the – like drop some acid if that's your thing and you have safe friends and you're safe and you're being safe. Yeah. <laughs> safe. Look – and listen yeah. to the Beatles' White Album. <laughs> or just, yeah. like, smoke some pot because that's easy. <laughs> yeah. In preparation, you should actually listen to the White Album from start to finish. Yes. Don't shuffle it. Yes. And, uh, so you can start, like, hearing what they were hearing. You could also listen to Shit. Charles Manson's music on um, Spotify. Spotify? Um, you should actually listen to um, Charles Manson's Cease to Exist and then listen to the Beach Boys never learn not to love because it's the same Ooh, song and it's that's cool that'd be it. cool i I'm, I'm gonna do that right after this that's cool uh but yeah so that is charles manson part two y'all shit yeah yeah anyways how's your sex life <laughs> my sex life is uh chris and i watching bond films talking about how fucking cute merlin is the cat Aww. And then watching aquatic horror films. So and that's your sex life is also Bruce and Davis. And porn. Now. And porn. <laughs> and Bruce. <laughs> and now Sexy fantasizing about me looking at Bruce that one night and being like, "Let's get the fuck out of here." And now we're like, you know, fucking seventy-six years old and like have kids. <laughs> yeah. Once upon a time in West Hollywood. I think yeah. that should be the podcast. Once title. upon a time in West Hollywood, a Corey story. <laughs> Yeah, Corey's story. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh, oh my god. Write this movie. Fucking write it. Or there's like no reason for this podcast to exist. <laughs> oh, fucking god. <laughs> yeah, so that's like that 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 that's just like my rendition is I'm like, dude, let's go. And then yes. we come back and we team up with Leonardo DiCaprio and fucking Brad Pitt and we kill yeah. everybody and save Sharon Tate. And then Sharon Tate god. becomes our prophetess. There we go. I yeah, like this. I love That's it. That's a happy story. <laughs> well, yay. Well, my sex life has been great. Lots of sex. Jordan and I had sex three times on Sunday. Yes. <laughs> so while Corey's having no sex, I'm having lots of so, sex. So, like, I haven't had, like, a steady boyfriend for a while. So, like, how is that? Are you just, like, you just look at each other and, like, we're fucking bored and horny. Let's do it. Yeah, usually it starts like that. Yeah. Or like, do you like randomly touch bed. them and then you touch them in like a weird way that just turns you on? Well, I always try to grab Jordan's butt because I think it's funny, but so yeah. that never works. <laughs> but uh, no, it's just you're like sitting on the couch and yeah. like you like kiss a little bit, then you're like, "Fuck it, we love each other. Why aren't we just?" Yes. Why? Why? Why are not <laughs> objects in someone's object hole? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where? Yeah. Why is my object not in Jordan's object hole? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> that's cute i love that Uh, yay but the the same that would be me is i would just be like sitting with the person and be like touching them yeah like touching them and being like oh hey and then just like touch them in a weird way where i'm like i'm super horny let's go (laughs) like like my pants are off i just took a popper yeah (laughs) i'm like crushing the pearls (laughs) right but we had a virtual brunch on Sunday that was super duper. That fun. was super was cute. Nice. Yeah, that's a good noteworthy thing. Yeah, we had a oh. we had a virtual brunch with us like five, six, six. Yeah. that's six. It was good. And then, yeah, it was a pretty good week. Next week, everybody is four twenty. Four twenty, bitch. So we are going to have a very special guest for you guys in our next episode. 
His name is Hi. Hi. He's the best. We've known him for seven, eight years now. Lots of yes. crazy stories. Oh my with god, him. seven, eight years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's gonna be our guest next episode. We don't know what it's gonna be on yet or how we're gonna do it, but it'll be fun. Um, I'll probably be stoned for it, which will be a different experience Same. for all of us. <laughs> so it's gonna be super <laughs> fun. Cause it's hard twenty. Why wouldn't we get stoned? Yeah, we'll try it out. We'll see how it is. Yeah. I think it'll be fun. Cause it's gonna be fun. It's Hiram's good at like laughing. still keeping things going while he's high. Yeah. Hiram's I don't know how good I am, but whatever. <laughs> we'll yeah, see. Yeah, Hiram's just gonna have to like take weed and just like do the podcast. While yeah. He's still like Hiram, you're the fucking like moderator. You're the host and host. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hiram's going to just narrate what we're t- laughing about. <laughs> He's gonna be like, "And Channa just did nothing." Just and they're still laughing. <laughs> um. So, like, just I guess note, like, uh, my only other notes are like the movies that I've watched. So, like, I saw I- I've been watching the new, like, the Daniel Craig Bonds, Casino oh, Royale, yeah. perfect film, literally. Um, Quantum of Solace way better than anybody thinks it is like the reviews are so horrible online but it's a really good film especially if you watch it with casino royale it's really good and i think Mm -hmm. that you can argue that oh no movies should be judged standalone and i support that but the fact that it's a bond film like it can yeah you should it can be argued that you can easily judge it more not being a standalone film than being a standalone film because it's a yeah. Bond film and that's like a 60-year dynasty of films, you know? Yeah. So, like, um, Quantum Swallows is, is a great film. It's not, like, the most perfect Bond film, but I think it's a really good film versus what people think. Um, also, like, a really cool, like, deep cut um, is a film called Shockwaves, which is a 70s aquatic horror film that Chris and I watched last night. And it is, like, a slow burn, but it's, like, a really beautiful, like, crazy atmospheric, um, like, soundtrack-heavy, cool 70s film. So there's, like, a a lot of side boob and, like, hairy shirtless men running around. Um, It's just a really interesting film. It's free on on Amazon. So, like, if y'all were looking for, like, a horror film that's, like, a dated horror film, it's really good. I love that film. It's, like, an instant aquatic horror classic to me and also Yay. uh general tarkin is in it from star wars yeah fun yeah so that's like that's all i have to say about life is that yay well we yay. hope your guys' sex life has been good and quarantine's treating you guys well yeah but our question for you guys is anyways how's your sex life <laughs> oh bye guys bye See you next week